I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Yeah. Not a game, not a game. Not a game. Slap that like she scored 30. We talking about sports. I mean, what are we even talking about, man? We talking about sports here. Let's go. Let's go. It's on, baby. We talking about sports. Episode number 36. Uh, this show is going to consist of some NFL, a little bit of NBA, some NCAA basketball talk right before the tournament. Some big news happened today. We're going to go into some Champions League news. Skim it just a little bit. One story alone. And we're going to recap what happened last weekend with UFC 259. But it's been a week, fellas. Uh, ben, how was your week since uh, last till now? Um, it's been good, man. Roland wants to talk about money. Roland just wants to start talking about money off the jump. Huh. I understand why, too. Yeah. Following the script. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been good, though, bro, but definitely a lot to talk about. A lot of news has broke since the franchise tag deadline uh, came up. We put out a poll, in fact, on um, I said March 9th would be the deadline, and I said, does Dak get franchised or do they get a deal done? Overwhelmingly got answered that he would be franchised once again. Everybody who answered that, they were wrong. Losers. The hoosers. I'm pretty sure I answered franchise. I got it wrong also. Yeah, me too. What it, so let's talk. Let's get right into it. Fuck it, Dak. Well, Dak. If we're gonna get into it. I wanted Roland to say a little bit about his week first, though. If he wants to say. Anything. Oh, I mean, I've been having a good week, honestly, or like since the last couple of days since the podcast uh, has been going on. It's been good. Um, conference tournaments have been going on. College basketball. I've been uh, glued to that ever since uh, it started, really. And we had basketball starting at ten thirty this morning. Uh, for those of you guys uh, listen to us in the central time. So that's uh, not a bad way to, to start your Thursday uh, with um, some college basketball. So uh, it's been doing good. And I mean, my day got even better or my week got even better last or what was it yesterday or, or Tuesday? Um, the big news, man. Show me the money. Show me the money. Uh, the Cowboys let's get into that. got Mr. Prescott finally. So uh, just so y'all know, we talking about sports was able to obtain a little clip here. Uh, an exclusive conversation between Dak and uh, Mr. Jerry Jones himself. It's just a little bit of a reenactment for y'all. Let's, uh, let's show it to you guys. I want to stay in Arizona. I want my new contract. But I like you. Yes, I like you, Jerry. My wife likes you. You're good to my wife. I will stay with you. That's, that's great. I'm very happy. Are you listening? Yes. That's what I'm going to do for you. God bless you, Jerry. But this is what you're going to do for me. You listen, Jerry? Yeah, what, what, what can I do for you, Rod? You just tell me what can I do for you. It's a very personal, very important thing. Hell, it's a family model. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. Jerry the money. Oh no no, you can do better than that, Jerry. I want you to say it what you would mean it, brother. Hey, I got Bob Sugar on the other line. I better hear you 
Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Show you the money. That not so good. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah. Louder. Show me the money. That's it, brother. But you got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. There it is. <laughs> Clear. That's Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones conversation. We got an exclusive for y'all. Finally happened. Finally happened. It was a long time coming, man. Wow. It's a long time coming. Let's talk about the numbers, though. Yeah, let's do it. Before Break it due, down. 160 million. And I believe 126 of it is guaranteed. Uh, the cap will go at 22 million for the year, which is. Uh, down from 38 million that it would have been had he been franchised. So it's a good deal for us for this year. I like the deal that it's done. We got our quarterback. Now we can focus on other things. Man, but doesn't it feel good though that we got the quarterback set for the next couple of years? Honestly, I mean yeah. that's the the main position that you you need solidified to have a chance. And you know the cow- the Cowboys got it. So, like you said, though, there's other positions that they need to address, and we've been saying it just because they signed Dak or they they get Russell Wilson. That didn't mean it was going to be a you know a band aid over everything. But you need a guy like that to have a chance, and and that's what you need in, in the NFL today. So, yeah, man, happy that they finally got it done. Uh, better than having you know a Kirk situation, Kirk cousin situation on your hands where he ends up walking. So, yeah, man, I'm glad that they finally got it done. And he's deserving, deserving. And he got it done his way. I mean, four years, he's going to be able to reset at the age of 31, still in his prime as a quarterback. Um, he's a couple of million behind, you know, Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, this is crazy, you know, like the, both of these guys are set generationally and both of their deals are amazing. But um, Dak Prescott signed more like an NBA deal, you know, compared to Mahomes, who's more, you know, signed like an MLB deal. So, you know, I like Dak Prescott's deal a little bit more compared to Mahomes because Dak's going to be able to reset, and who knows what the cap's going to be like in a couple couple years or what Dak's worth is going to be at that point. So, I don't know. A big big victory for Dak and a big victory for the Cowboys. We've I do have a question, Ben. Do you think that the Cowboys here at $160 million overpaid or did they just pay market for Dak? I think they paid market, but I mean, they could have paid probably 10 million less had they got it done um, last or the, uh, last off season, right before, before this season when he was asking for about the 150 range. Um, the deal, like Roland said, it's really beneficial for Dak. Um, I wasn't the signing bonus or was it, wasn't it a crazy ass number? Isn't it? I believe it was like 66 mil or something. something signing like he stands to make like 75 million on the first yeah. year alone. So, I mean, that's insane and that's good because he's coming back from injury. So if the contract is very front loaded like that, um, you know, at least he gets his money before going out there and risking, risking anything. But yeah, awesome for Cowboys fans that it got done. Seemed like everybody was pretty set on, Dak being their guy and not starting the search all over again. So um, better for you all that he got actually signed and not tagged. And like Roland said about the contracts, I mean, I think the Cowboys wouldn't have minded giving him a Dak Prescott length contract if he had an MVP and a Super Bowl under his belt um, like Mahomes does. 
I think, you know, as we start seeing some of these, that obviously it just takes one player to, to set the trend and Mahomes is already being considered, you know, as one of the greatest, only having one title to his name. We know that he's on his way to being, you know, probably on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. But I don't think that we'll see too many deals like that Mahomes one, the, the baseball style deal in uh, in the NFL. Yeah, and I do want to point out I, I saw it a couple of times uh, last night, and when I was doing research on the contract and when the deal first came out, that it's actually like a six year deal, but the last two years of the deal are voidable, so it's really a it voids to a four year deal, and what that does is. Um, it creates room, I guess, for the um, the Cowboys to restructure his deal in the, the fifth and sixth year. And they actually, they franchise tagged him as like a, a procedure um, yesterday. Um, so now they can't really franchise tag him ever again. I think they've used the, the max amount of franchise tags on, on him. So uh, that was just like a little procedural matter uh, that they did. But um, yeah, he signed a, a six-year deal, but a voice of four, and it, it's really to benefit the the Cowboys because I don't think he's ever going to be a, a free agent in those uh, six years. So, just something to to point so out. So it's not a player option; it's more of a team option. Yeah, it runs through twenty twenty five if yeah. they continue to uh, move with him, but he can uh, potentially restructure or resign a new deal after year four, I believe. Right, Roland? Yeah, and they actually they can tag him, but if they do. Um, since they're technically tagging him this year, the premium, and I'm just reading this straight off of an article on ESPN, um, the premium at that point will be 144%. So his contract at that point in 2025, which is avoidable year, is $53 million on paper. So it would cost the Cowboys $68 million to franchise tag him that year. So, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's not in the cards. Mm-hmm. So, so looking like if he produces well, he will be a cowboy for life at this point. That's the plan, at least. Yeah. Well, uh, looking into the contract details, I did see uh, one little incentive there: uh, one million dollar Super Bowl bonus incentive if he wins the Super Bowl. An extra little one million jackpot for him. So they are expecting, if you write that into a contract, you are expecting big things. Well, yeah. Paying pay that type of money, you got to. I mean, he's, in terms of contracts, he's right up there with, you know, the top. I mean, he's number two in the league right now in terms of, uh, you know, total contract value. So if you're up there, you better come. You got to come with the big things are expected when you're up there. Yeah. Right away, too, right off the gate, there's going to be a lot of pressure. Mm, rightfully so. You you lose you lose two or three games, fans right away are going to be saying, man, the same way that Zeke, the same treatment Zeke got this past season, you know, it just, that's the bad thing with these, like the, the Jared Goff treatment, you know, the way that he gets talked about and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, you don't, Dak's been very successful as far as statistically more than those guys, maybe not as much team success. Um, but individual success, he has had more. So as long as they keep those that team around him and those weapons, I know uh, hopefully a healthy team, a healthy offensive line this year, that was one of the major factors. Um, but, yeah, a lot of momentum for the Cowboys going into the season, though, I would say. This is a big, big deal. 
Well, I'm glad you brought up that offensive line because three-fifths of the group has now restructured and got their money for this year up front. That's Tyron Smith, Lowell Collins, and Zach Martin. So the Dallas Cowboys, they signed Dak Prescott. Then they got to work right away. And uh, we freed up some cap space now, uh, roughly about $18 million in cap space. And uh, prior to that, I think we just had $1 million in cap space before the adjustments to those contracts. So I don't know exactly what we're going to do as far as contract goes, as far as maybe acquiring another O-line, maybe working on some defense. Roland, I don't know if you have any ideas of what's the plan. Because we do got to beef up that O-line a little more. They did struggle last season, uh, albeit they were injured. But we still want to see um, replacements for our center and our, our left guard, I believe. Yeah, they'll probably address the O-line probably again through the draft. Uh, take somebody within the first three rounds, I'd imagine. Um, and probably some more restructuring or, so, you know, some guys are going to be cut on the defensive side of the ball. I know there's some contracts out there. Um that are, need some addressing, I guess. Uh, but I guess they're going to get to it. And, you know, the, the NFL just released a cap. I think it's uh, $182 million this year. It's actually down almost $20 million, uh, from last year. So uh, that's definitely going to play a big part um, in a lot of what goes on in the next couple of days and weeks um, as the, the Cowboys get down to their, you know, their roster for the, the 2021 season. Are you talking about the linebackers or what, Roland? They need restructuring in the deals? Yeah, the linebackers and, you know, some guys, on I think, on the defensive line. I, I know Demarcus Lawrence has a pretty big contract, if I'm not mistaken, or I think he needs to get paid one of the one of the two. Uh, I don't have his contract right in front of me. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, anytime you pay somebody uh, what the Cowboys are getting ready to pay Dak Prescott, um, you're going to need to do some restructuring. Um, around your team to make it work for the next season, especially with the the salary cap um, tightening um, year over year. This oh, that salary it. cap is down because of COVID, right? I mean, because of the season and the loss of fans and revenue. Yeah, they lost a lot of revenue. This is like, I mean, I'm not, I don't, it's not like a, a, I'm not throwing a shot or anything, but this is kind of the backwards way of winning a title, right? Usually you either do it on a, on a quarterback's rookie deal or, you know, the QB takes a, a team-friendly deal to surround himself with talent. You don't really see the, the high-paid quarterback win the title unless it's like Aaron Rodgers when he won his a couple years ago. But what do you all think about that? Do you, do you believe in that or no? Well, I mean, if you look at the last 10 years, you got Brady winning a few, and he's always taken – Less, you know, right. he's at 25 million a year. I think there's like 11, 12 quarterbacks that are making more than him. Then you have like uh Seahawks with Russ, they made it twice. Then you had another guy who uh won on his rookie deal was one Mahomes. of those was on, on Russ's rookie deal, too. yeah. So, I'm well, they, they made it to the Super Bowl twice, one once, but yeah, it, it doesn't look like uh the key for the last 10 years has been take less or rookie deal quarterback. It's Right. It's a little worrisome, but I mean, Dak was producing before he got hurt. And, uh, the and wins the, weren't there, but the production was. And the other thing also is like the Cowboys already do have the weapons as far as, you know, drafting CeeDee Lamb, Cooper's under contract, Zeke's under contract. You know, Barwin had, had high expectations, hoped that he would pop, mm -hmm. obviously got injured. But the tight end position is probably the only position as far as skill wise that I would say. 
needs help offensively. I think we got uh, two good running backs too. Not only Zeke, but the uh, Pollard. Pollard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Michael it's Gallup, pretty much, I know you didn't mention him, but he's it, pretty good on the it's, outside. It's the O line getting back to health, and it's you know the defense <laughs> shoring up. The secondary's been the the glaring problem, wouldn't you all say? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I I want them to draft a corner uh, with that top ten pick that they have um, if the number one and, guys. And they did take one last year, right in the second round out of Bama. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs, and that's who they need to pair him up with. Uh, you know, another another corner, another high level corner. Uh, but you know, Ben, to your what you just brought up right now, um, yeah, it is a little bit of it is a little backwards. But also, as you said, the Cowboys do have the weapons. I think to get it done. Um, a, a lot of the Super Bowl winners of the the past couple of years have been on rookie contracts. Like you got Carson Wentz, who even though he didn't win the Super Bowl, the the Eagles won it during Mahomes his was on the, part of his rookie deal. Also. Mahomes was on his rookie deal. Uh, Russell Wilson was on his rookie deal. Uh, Joe Flacco also. Um, it was just Brady and, and Eli. Yeah, and Drew Brees, Eli Manning, uh, and and Peyton also. Um, had some pretty high contracts um, back then. But, yeah, you definitely want to get it done during the, the quarterback's rookie uh, contract because it gives you a lot of flexibility elsewhere. That's why it's going to be so interesting to see what happens with the Chiefs um, these next couple of years because, you know, they have laid out all that money for Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah. let's, let's see how they keep the band together uh, going. Uh, they had a couple, of, a couple of suspect moves today or at least things that – um, people didn't expect. I don't want to get too off topic because we're talking we're about We're going to get into it, though. Okay. But uh, just to move on a little bit here, as far as salary cap goes, I just want to give you five teams with the most salary cap space. And if you want, you can pick a team and let me know what you think the direction will be for them. We'll start off with number five. It'll be the Colts. They got $39 million, uh, pretty close to $40 million in cap space. Four, you got the Cincinnati Bengals. 44 million in cap space. Then you move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars with 65 million. Then the New England Patriots at number two with 66 million. And number one with the most cap space, the New York Jets at $67 million. So, real quick, Ben, uh, pick one of those teams and where do you see the direction of them spending their money this offseason? Um, I'll pick an obvious one. I mean, I, I wish I could pick the Jets, but I see them having a whole new quarterback, so it's kind of hard to tell with them right now. Um, I'll just go with Cincinnati and shoring up the offensive line, I think. I think after that injury to Joe Burrow, it's it's clear and obvious that they need to shore up that O-line and, and really make that a staple of keeping Joe Burrow up because we've seen that he is able to change games when he is upright and able to, you know, make plays. So I'll take the easy road and say that they they got to fix their O line and some defense. Roll this. Uh, I'll probably go with the the Jags. Uh, you know they have the number one pick and they have a lot of cap space. So you know they have and they also cleared out like a lot of their you know I guess their big name players. That's how they got a lot of that cap space um, going into this year. They cleared out a lot of that defense and that's exactly where I think they're going to go back to. Uh, in free agency, I think they're going to use some of that and uh, to start rebuilding that defense uh, that they were known for over the past couple of years. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with the Jags. That makes sense, Roland, and especially because we saw them last year. Although they were losing a lot of games, a bunch of young talent did like emerge out of that season. Mm -hmm. uh, Laviska Chenault was a very good receiver for them. Robinson, uh, the, the running back Robinson as well, very good. 
And they, they just have receivers, but they don't have like a guy guy. I mean, she's uh, not, not the who's, yeah, who's maybe the they got a receiver. They're they're number one. I'm just not the, the biggest fan of, of the, the number one for the, the Jags. Who was it? I even had him in my fantasy football team and like oh Chark. Hurt. DJ Chark. Yeah, he was just hurt all year. I guess it was just a bad year, but they need a a guy guy, especially for a rookie quarterback. You know, somebody that he feels comfortable. Maybe they go out and get Kenny Galladay. He, uh, he just became a free agent. Yeah, and that's a big target. Somebody that, you know, a young quarterback would feel safe throwing it to. So that's a good name drop right there. I was surprised to see that. Yeah, I thought he was going to stay because Jared Goff needs somebody. That's right. going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, let me read the bottom five. And we got Green Bay Packers at negative 13 million. Atlanta Falcons at negative 14 million. Chicago Bears at negative 23 million. The Eagles at minus 26 million. The Saints at minus 32 million. And the Rams at minus 41. Damn. Any of these teams, I only see one that could possibly have some direction. And I think that's the Packers as far as making it in the playoffs. The Saints, depending on what they can do as far as, you know, moving on with Breeze, you know, they got a pretty good defense, but they're going to have to restructure greatly. Um, so I'll have y'all pick one of these teams from the bottom five. Where do you see do you see any of these teams having success this next season? I I, mean, I do like that you pointed out the Packers because I think they're just in like a Super Bowl or bust kind of window. They have a veteran team. You know, that defense has a lot of veterans on it. The offense, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. They just let Aaron Jones go. Um, or they didn't uh, re-sign him or tag him, excuse me. I think they're planning on re-signing him. But anyways, um, if I were to pick a team, I'd say the Rams are probably going to have some success. You know, they just signed, they signed Matt Stafford, and they still got that defense. They're another team that's in, like, a Super Bowl or bust mode, kind of the way that they went about building their team. You know, they, they made those high-profile um, acquisitions. You know, obviously, Matt Stafford, they gave up a lot to get him. Uh, they gave up a lot to get Jalen Ramsey. Um, and, you know, um, they're really just going for it right now. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the, the Rams. I'm going to pick the Bears just because of the recent rumors of, you know, in, in Vegas, I don't know if you all saw today, but it was going around Twitter. They took down the odds for Russell Wilson's next destination, and the Bears Super Bowl odds shot, like, way down in odds. Like, I, I don't know. I'm looking out. I don't, I don't know the exact jump in the odds, but I do know that it was a big jump into, like, where they're bigger, like, they're more favorited now. You know what I mean? They're not as – as big as a dog. So I think that the bears actively, I think that they're trying to figure out something with the QB position. So I think that they're in the market to trade for either Watson or Russell Wilson. Uh, more than likely, I would say that it, it'd be what the Watson trade that would get done. And I just see them out there as being buyers right now uh, behind that defense. So I would say that the bears are going to be aggressive enough to make a trade and it's going to put them in very good position. That pick. Yeah, financially, um, financially, they don't have much room. Obviously, they're in the negative, but it's going to have to take a fortune of draft picks. And that reg, um, that regime, uh, the Ryan Pace and the uh, Matt Nagy regime, the GM and coach, they're on their last straw. Yeah. So they got to go big or go home. So right. I, I like, I like that. Another team that's you know hurting a little bit in cap space but has now moved on from the quarterback situation are the Eagles. And the owner has said that he's ready to move on 
with Jalen Hurts. Now they do have to pay Carson Wentz cap hit at the 32 million, I believe, this year. But this team has fully moved on. They say they got their guy. The depth chart is cleared for Hurts. He should be the one starting. There's no one behind him that unless they draft somebody. What do you think here? Should the Eagles maybe draft a safety net or just move mm-hmm. on and say Hurts is our guy? I know Roland and I had talked about this, or he had mentioned maybe I, I would say maybe three weeks a month ago that the Eagles possibly would go QB with their um, with their draft pick in the first round. But obviously, this news has broken since Roland. You, I, we were both kind of maybe they do, maybe they don't. What do you still believe that they they take a QB or not? Um, you know, actually, I I like the. I don't know if I can say that I'd like the owner coming out and saying that that's what he wants, you know, and, you know, affecting a football decision like that. But honestly, though, just thinking about it, I, I do think it is the best decision for the Eagles right now. Um, just giving Jalen Hurts a look. They're not saying that they're going to keep him and he's going to be the starter of the future. It's just that, you know, he only had four games last year and you really don't know what you have with Jalen Hurts. You did spend a high draft pick on him. He was what drafted in the second round last year. Yep. So, you got to find out what you got with Jalen Hurts. Um, I do like the fact that they're saying, hey, we're going to focus on him because I don't think they should draft another quarterback with the number six pick that they have. Um, I think they should focus on something else. The team has a lot of needs. As you said, they don't have a lot of cap room. They don't have any cap room to go out and do anything in free agency. So why would they go ahead and waste their their number six pick on another quarterback? Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, they drafted Carson Wentz in 2017 or whenever they did, and Jalen Hurts this past year. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do that. So, no, I don't think they go quarterback in the first round. Maybe they draft another guy in the second or third round. Um, but I don't think they, they go high capital on quarterback this year. Um, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter this year. I don't know about beyond. I think they're going to give him a look. He's still a prospect. But he did show some some potential. I'll say that. Yeah, and and we also heard guys. I mean, not vets, but guys like Miles Sanders saying that you know after Jalen Hurts took over, that the team kind of was playing like with hope and like with belief that they could win games. I guess. Um, to be honest, I like the fact that they said it for the reason that confidence wise. I mean, obviously Hurts was a rookie last year. It would be pretty devastating to you know be going into the season already knowing that they're going to be drafting a quarterback, you're going to have competition when you just beat out, you know, the think, the guy who was on that max deal. I think they should go receiver. I don't know. Well, if I think they're going to go receiver. I don't think that's what that, they should do, but that's what they're. I think they're going to do because they got a lot of flack for uh, missing on Rager. I know that's a little contradictory to what I'm that, saying, not going back-to-back because uh, they did go receiver last year also. But it is, a big, it is a big need because you're not – you're not going to be counting. Alshon Jeffries got to be out of there. Deshaun Jackson as well. You just can't be counting on these guys. You know, they got Greg Ward, a college quarterback at Houston, who was one of their Producing. number one receivers for, for, a, for a little stretch. And then I forget the other guy, the, the, the tall receiver, number 17, but he was in fantasy. He was a decent use sometimes as well. Zach Ertz, isn't he gone as well? Uh, I think he's still Is, there. I'm not sure. Was, he, he, I know that he had kept uh, – he was griping about not being extended or, or re-signed throughout this past season when he was in and out of the roster. So sure. I think that he might be that he might be leaving or be on a contract year. But, 
to be honest, what, what is there to lose for them? If Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, they at least have to give him the full season to find out if he isn't. They're going to be in the exact same spot that they are right now. And with a top six pick, you can draft yourself a quarterback next year. You know, it's not like one of these guys is, oh, you can't miss on, on one of these guys after, obviously, um, sunshine for the Jaguars. But with Fields and, and the quarterback out of BYU, it's kind of up in the air, you know, of if they're going to be franchise players. So they they have to give Hurts a shot just based on – how high they drafted him last year. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get to the free agency side of things. And today, the Chiefs, you know, Super Bowl-making team, axed two of their linemen. One of them, I believe, was a first-round pick for them, which was Eric Fisher. Yeah. And they released Mitchell Schwartz as well. Now, guys, we did see in the Super Bowl, it was very obvious, this is where the Chiefs had their struggle. Why would they release these two guys? I mean, can you make sense of this for me? They couldn't show up to the biggest game of the season because they got the axe. That's I mean, what it sounds like. Nah, I mean, if, if you saw everything that Patrick Mahomes was doing, I mean, they, they signed him to this huge deal. They don't have much wiggle room. Um, Sammy Watkins is off the books. They're going to have to start getting younger. They're going to have to start getting younger assets. As far as like on the O-line, that is crazy because we clearly saw that that was the difference in the Super Bowl was the two tackles missing and the pressure that the Bucks were able to put on the Chiefs. Um, can't make much sense of it, but honestly, the Chiefs aren't uh, for an office that I'd question much. I think that there is a plan behind it. And these are two offensive linemen that are coming off injuries also. So yeah. maybe it was just to get them off of the current deal and get them cheaper. I don't know how it's going to work. But I'm sure that they have a plan. Yeah, trying to clear cap space. And like Ben said, you know, coming off injury, I think uh, Fisher was an Achilles injury yeah. uh, and, and they're aging. So, you know, uh, time for some new blood. And I think, you know, they're probably, they'll probably go O-line in the draft, you know, with one of their, you know, a couple of their picks at least. I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, maybe they address mm -hmm. it in free agency as well. But definitely uh, offensive line for the, the Chiefs is something to monitor. Um, I'm glad you pointed that out, Justin. Another team with some releasing today would be the Saints. Uh, they got a lot of salary cap they need to purge. And they release, I would think, is one of the defensive leaders on the team, at least. Been with the team for a while. That's Janoris Jenkins, the cornerback. Uh, yep. I can see why they did this Sanders because too. of the cap space. And he's just old. He's just one of the older guys. They cut Emmanuel Sanders as well. Right. Receiver, right? Yeah. The good thing for the Saints on the other side of the ball they have a uh, Marshawn Lattimore, and he's been pretty. So, something sneaky to look out for, man. Depending on what Drew Brees does and what the quarterback situation is like, there, we're gonna find out if Mike Thomas. I mean, he's already given off some diva-ish vibes, punching players at practice and all that. But let's see if he starts asking for out. Um, if they don't have, you know, if, if the Saints do drop off, obviously it showed that they wouldn't because Taysom Hill was able to pick up the slack, but uh, his numbers took took a big hit michael thomas and yeah he was hurt he was hurt this year but but you know how the receivers are, like, love their stats yeah. and they got and they got to be up there so we'll, we're how many touchdowns did mike thomas have we could probably count them on one hand bro he, he was I mean, he, he was hurt this year though i mean i will give yeah, him that was. i wouldn't put a lot of uh, stock into his performance this year but i do i mean i do think this the spotlight is on him though 
this year. I, I think he needs to produce. I don't know uh, if you'll start asking for out, but I think it'll be do the Saints move him because, like Ben said, he has shown some diva vibes. Uh, you know, coming on social media, he punched a teammate in practice allegedly. And they've um, already disciplined him as well. Yeah, so, it's so I mean, he, he's had some some run-ins already. So, you know what happens to receivers that get like that? You know, they start talking a lot and whatnot and causing problems. You know, they get the axe with that team. So we'll see what happens. But I do think the spotlight's on them to produce. Um, I think the Saints are going to do something. You know, they're one of those organizations that uh, they do anything that it takes to win. You know, I, I think they're one of the – hallmark you know franchises in the and in the nfl right now i don't know like historically if you can call them that but at least of our generation you know they've been up there you know a lot of that has to do with them having drew Brees, but um that defense is still talented even though they lost to norris jenkins they still got a lot of guys justin said you know they still got marcus Lattimore on the other side um but yeah uh, i i think a lot of um pressures on mike thomas this year to produce but I mean, we'll that's see. Tom Brady's division now, bro. Yeah. So the Saints took a back seat to Brady. And, you know, they're um, – Although they won the division. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on a little bit to the uh, free agent market again. And I'm going to give you five guys. And this uh, top five list was produced by NFL.com, and it's the top five free agents that are available. And you're going to see a theme here as I announce the guys. Number five would be Trey Hendrickson. He's a defensive end, 26 years of age. You know, he had a pretty good season last season. Bud Dupree, another defensive end. We all saw what he was doing up until the ACL tear. And we're going to move on number three, Aaron Jones. We did talk about the Packers earlier, and uh, he became a free agent. So I don't know if they're going to be able to have the cap to sign if they don't restructure. You got two, uh, Shaquille Barrett. And then you have uh, number one, Trent Williams, offensive tackle for the 49ers last season, who, you know, could be a great addition for these teams. Um where do you see these guys falling? I mean, you could see teams that could use the help of a 33-year-old tackle who's great in Williams, but then you have a lot of service as far as defensive ends go here. What do you think is going to happen here for these? Where do they? Where do these dominoes fall? Honestly, couldn't tell you on a lot of them. I do think um, you know defensive end is a is a position that everybody wants to fill, you know, the pass rush is, you know, one of the most important, you know, asset or factors in the game, you know, can you get after the quarterback uh, guys or coaches or defensive coordinators love to be able to get after the quarterback uh, without having to blitz too much, you know, without having to expend too much out in coverage. And, uh, you know, that starts with the defensive end. So uh, some of those guys are going to get some big contracts. Shaquille Barrett's probably going to get a big contract. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Bucks still try to re-sign him. But at what cost, you know? So he could probably end up going somewhere else. Um, and you said uh, Trent Williams. I think he might end up re-signing with the, the 49ers. Yeah, the interesting one for me is Aaron Jones. Just because of the Packers, um, you know, salary situation and the way that they kind of were working in some of those other they – they drafted A.J. Dillon. They were working him in a bit yeah. um, last season late. They, and, and they have Williams as well. They have said that they're going to attempt to re-sign him, though. But uh, the, They didn't tag him, but they are still going to try and get him before he – For sure, for sure. But, but as far as him, so that was going to get me into my next point. Um, let's see where his head is at because as a running back, your lifespan in the league isn't too, isn't too big. And if he just wants to get that payday from a team that is going to pay him like 
you know, that has the money to pay him and might overpay for a running back, uh, which the Packers might not do. So I'm going to keep an eye on that situation. Um, I do think that the Packers could fill the gap with the other two guys. And just based on what Aaron Rodgers is able to do off the strength of his arm, you know what I mean? Um, but Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones could help a team. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I, I think it's, you know, risky business for the the Packers to let him go. Um, I don't know exactly how much it would cost to keep him. I know they said that they're intent on trying to keep him. Um, but Aaron Jones is a talented running back. I know that uh, Jam- Jamal Williams is capable. Um, and they drafted A.J. Dillon. Dillon, the guy out of Boston College. Right. Um, but Aaron Jones is a beast. And I, I, I know you can always say we, we got guys by committee, running backs, the most replaceable. Uh, position out of all the skill positions, which is true. But if you have a guy like, I mean, Aaron Jones was a big reason for their success this past year. He really turned it on. It, um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for their yeah, situation. For, for and then to go pay a guy like that when you have the young guys that you've been drafting behind him, like what was the point of wasting the draft pick on those guys? If you, you know, and, and that's the other thing too. I, I think Aaron Jones might find out in the free agency market that, um, the grass might not be greener on the other side. Uh, maybe he's just looking for some long-term security, you know, and I think that's what a lot of it is that's for these I'm guys, saying. man. With like, running back, it's one big yeah. payday. Yeah, you, you want you want to get that security. So um, hopefully he gets to stay with the Packers because I think him and Aaron Rodgers uh, work well together. Uh, they got a, a nice thing going there. Uh, keeping with the running backs, uh, the Seahawks are going to keep Chris Carson. Uh, I think that's interesting. They opted not to, to front. They said that, no. They said that they they're not going to franchise tag him. Yeah, because he's on this list at number forty three of available running back. So that's the next running back that's available in the top fifty. Where's a Will Fuller on that list, Justin? If you have it, I believe he's, uh, he, he's a free agent. 13. He's a free agent. Yeah, no, I know. That's why I'm seeing he's where, where's he on the list. What's that? Thirteen? Yeah, above uh, Jameis and behind Yannick Ngaku. Okay, so and Kenny Galladay, another guy, top ten. So Galladay and Will Fuller will be the bigger free agent wide receivers. Yeah, you got Galladay coming at seventh, and behind him would be Clowney, another offensive lineman, Joe Thunny, and then uh, another defensive end, Matt Judon. I just just plenty of defensive ends to grab here. If you're team looking for one, you're gonna find one this year. The the Packers would be so much better with like Will Fuller instead of Aaron Jones, man. They need another receiver. That's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, Kenny Galladay might be – his price tag might be a little over the top, but Will Fuller shouldn't have a crazy – Hey, v- Valdez Scantling played pretty well, though. I, I do give him props. But he the inconsistency, Roland. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is out there, too. I think you just said that. Yeah. yeah. Well, for Ben, your team, you all had a signing uh, today, I believe. Mark Ingram. The one-year deal with Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. My old team, Justin, my old team. Oh, Mark you're Ingram. right. My bad. I keep referring to Dude, So they're your old team if they keep Watson still? If Watson stays? I don't no, see that. He's checked out. I don't see that. I, I thought you said you go where Watson goes. No, I didn't say that. You didn't say that? No. He's no, okay, never mind. That's one of my friends. Oh, okay. I didn't say that. <laughs> He hasn't done enough for the Texans for me to do that. Well, let's just talk about Mark Ingram's deal. I know you're no longer a fan, but uh, what do you think for them as far as that pickup? I know they're paying David Johnson. They rec- they restructured his deal. But it was a pretty big number. I think it was in a 30 mil area. Uh, I'm not sure. It was astronomical, I, I remember. 
They just restructured it though, like this past week. Yeah. They restructured Brandon Cook's deal also, and he was somebody yes. who did have some success for them. Um, but David Cooley was a, a Ravens coach, and he's just bringing over, I guess, guys that buy into his system and that he can count on from the Ravens. We saw Mark Ingram kind of get left on the shelf late as the playoffs came along. Uh, they eased in J.K. Dobbins pretty well throughout the season and kind of yeah. let him blow up in the playoffs. So that's the move for the Ravens is J.K. Dobbins. They had like a stable of backs too. They had like signed Gus Edwards. Gus up Edwards. You were moving on. Gus Bus. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't see I think that Ingram's washed up, to be honest. I don't yeah. think that this is anything big. Yeah. And, you know, keeping it like on free agents, but you know, kind of like the flip side, you know, of guys saying free agents or becoming free agents, you know, there's some guys who did get tagged or some notable guys who, who also um avoided free agency. Uh, Allen Robinson is staying with the Bears. He got tagged. And another big-name receiver um, got tagged as well. Um, I just had his name right now. I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, shoot, I just saw him. That was Chris Godwin, wasn't it? Yeah, there you go. Chris Godwin got tagged by the, the Buccaneers. There you go. Right. Thanks for that, Ben. Yeah, so, you know, big piece for them. Um, I, I think they're just trying to keep the band together for another run. Um, and I think good use of the franchise tag there. And then the Buc – I mean, the Bears, they just – if you don't have Allen Robinson, I mean, who else do you have? I mean, I Correct. think he, he was every he was everything for that uh, that passing offense last gotta, year. Gotta, Big keep, year some, for Allen gotta keep something there if you get one of those yeah. quarterbacks that you're hoping to get. Yeah. For the Super Bowl team, Super Bowl winning team, Buccaneers also they're bringing back Levante David on a two year deal, twenty five million. Well so deserved. Well they got that championship mentality right now. On AB mind. will be a free agent, correct? Uh, I think so. I think so. All I right. think he signed a one-year deal. Yeah. What do y'all think? Does he stay there? Or does he try and get paid somewhere? I think he stays. I think he'll stay. He's got that connection with Brady, and he can still play at a high level, man. He proved it. Fuck. And he's in pretty good graces being on a team with Brady. I mean, like you mm-hmm. don't get picked on much. You know what I mean? It kind of, he takes all the attention away. I feel like there is a good spot for him too. I, like the influence is Brady. I think he. Ha- um, needs that structure that Brady brings, that determination, that you know, fire to practice, fire to the games that Brady has. So, I think that's yeah. a good fit for him. Controlled, more controlled though, Brady. That's what I'm looking for. So, Roland did bring up uh, something that he wanted to do here, and we're going to go over uh, one position per podcast, and it's the NFL draft that we're going to be talking about. And this week, we're going to be going over Easiest quarterback one. prospects. QB one. So, Roland, I'll let you uh, lead us into this uh, prospects. Uh, who are your uh, top three quarterbacks in this draft? Well, I think number one goes without saying. I, I think he's been like the number one uh, prospect since he, you know, stepped on the field at Clemson. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's he's my number one guy. I think the Jags should have already announced that they drafted him. Uh, I, that's probably where they're gonna go. Uh, Urban Meyer, so a uh, good way to start off your coaching career, uh, drafting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he's my number one guy. Um, don't really see a lot of holes in his game. Um, I, he, he can run the ball. He's an underrated runner. You know, he's a big frame, can make every throw in the book. Um, maybe he doesn't have, like, a big wow factor, but he just does everything so well. So, like, I, I really can't poke any any holes in his game. Um, make again, like I said, makes every throw in the book um, at the NFL level. Uh, my number two guy, uh, I, I'm gonna go number two with 
Zach Wilson and a lot of this is just predicated off of, I think, potential and what he shows. I know, like I said, with um, Mahomes, he doesn't have a lot of – not Mahomes. Um, Lawrence doesn't have a big, like, wow factor out there. Like, he does everything really, really well. Uh, Zach Wilson does have a wow factor. He does make a lot of plays outside of the pocket, does extend a lot of plays, has shown that he has a big arm. He can also make almost every throw in the book. The question on him is, you know, obviously playing at BYU, the level of competition. I think the the best team that he faced this year was Coastal Carolina, which I think they ended up losing, but he played pretty well in that game. Um, I will give him that. But uh, he's the, the quarterback that, you know, he kind of like jumps off the screen when you watch him play. Uh, he, he does make a lot of the plays uh, that do make you raise your eyebrow. Um, I don't think it's fair uh, that he's getting a lot of comparisons to – Patrick Mahomes right now. That's like been the comparison that I see a lot of these guys making out there. It's super unfair to Zach Wilson and disrespectful for Patrick Mahomes because I think he's a one of a kind as he's already proven. But um, I can see why a lot, gonna, of, a lot of guys want to compare him to Josh Allen. Yeah, Maybe I see. I can see kid. some Josh Allen too. A guy that I like to compare him to. Um, I also saw this comparison thrown out there, and I, I actually like it. Is Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield's another guy that made a lot of plays outside the. Outside the pocket, I think they have a similar frame. Um, I, I like Baker Mayfield as kind of like a pro comparison for, for Zach Wilson. Um, so I have him as my number two guy. Uh, number three, I'm going to keep it uh, with um, Justin Fields. He was the number two guy coming into the um, into the season this year. Uh, Ohio State only played seven games this year. He outplayed Trevor Lawrence in their, uh, what was it, the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl? I forgot what they played each other in this year. The, it was the final four, though. It was a semifinal uh, for the college football. So, yeah, I'm going to go uh, Justin Fields. I think he has a better chance to be a consistent pro than Zach Wilson. I just have Zach Wilson at number two because I think he has more potential than Justin Fields. Justin Fields, um, I think he's a better passer. Uh, than Cam Newton, but he also brings, uh, you know, the the running game. He do, he doesn't use it a lot, but when he, he he's asked to, he can make plays with his legs. He he started using his legs a lot towards the end of the last season, and a lot of people want to knock him for um, the interceptions and and some of the tough games that he's had this year. Uh, but like I said, I want to point to uh, in the big games he he has played well. Um, especially against Clemson, uh, both times that he faced in the last two years and coming away with the victory this past year. I think he has a better floor than Zach Wilson. I think he's going to be a good pro, uh, Justin Fields. And so I'm going to go with him at number three. I see a lot of people putting Trey Lance up there, uh, but I'm going to go with Justin Fields um, as my number three guy. So Lawrence, uh, Wilson, then Fields. And then I like Mac Jones also there, like right on the heels of um, – Mac Jones. Fields. Yeah, Mac Jones. <clears throat> How many quarterbacks are supposed to be drafted in the first round? Is, is there no five. They're saying about five. I don't know what the over under is. Shit. But there's five uh, guys. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Kyle Trask. Yeah, I've seen five guys going in the first. Interesting. To me, yeah, I think that that Wilson is a wild card, man. Um I I like I, I don't I haven't watched much ESPN, so I don't hear those comparisons to uh, Patrick Mahomes. But that is pretty crazy for people to be putting that on a on a college kid, much less from BYU. You know yeah. what I mean? Like very, very high expectations. Um, but 
to the Jets. I mean, it's got the Jets taking him right now, right? And that's even New York. I mean, that's even more expectations. The interesting thing to me is, you know, there's these teams, for example, like the Jets who have Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson on the trade list and have the chance at having any quarterback aside from Trevor Lawrence. And these teams, I mean, if they don't make the trade, is that kind of a indication of, you know, there is a big drop off from Lawrence or maybe these guys aren't as obvious NFL talent as one would want for the no, number two pick? Like no, no one's, no one's a sure thing. Right. But there's, you can tell if a guy's going to be good, right? Or you can tell what the odds are, what the percentages are, just looking at a guy. And um, I do think there's a lot of uncertainty after Lawrence. I, I do think Lawrence, for all intents and purposes, is as close to a sure thing as you can get with a prospect, right? Like, uh, he he has a very high rating, like, in the same, like, regard as, I guess, Andrew Luck in terms of prospects the last couple of years. You know, he's right up there, so... Lawrence All the intangibles, the height, yeah. the arm, the, the length, everything. Pause. But a, but after that, you know, there's a, there's some questions with some with a lot of these guys. Like you said, and both of us just said with Wilson, who's he played? You know, being at BYU, right? What do we really know about this guy? Uh, Justin Fields, he has some question marks with the turnovers. Um, Trey Lance, he's only he didn't even play this year. He played one game this year. He's only played 17 games. Same thing with Mac Jones, only 16 games that he's played. I think um, there's a the, lot of question marks with these guys, but the, it's just quarterback is that position, man. Like you either have it or you don't. It makes a lot of these regimes, it makes them or breaks them. Like we're talking about with the Bears this year. You know, these guys, they put their their chips into to Mitch, um, Mitch Trubisky, and now they're on their last straw this year and the last year of Mitch Trubisky's rookie contract. You know, it, who who you take is, you know, going to decide whether you, you stay around or not as a coach or a GM. The quarterback makes makes your franchise. And so that's why guys are going to take their shot at these guys no matter what. But um, as far as answering your question with the trades, um, do you see I it happening? Know, man. I, it's questionable because, like, like you like said, it. like you already have Deshaun, like, for example, to Texans. They're the team that everyone's talking about trading maybe uh, with, with the Dolphins or something, right, or getting up there, maybe trading with the Jets. Who knows what right, happens? Right, right. Right, but shit, you already have Deshaun Watson, right? Like, yeah, you can get all those picks. Uh, maybe throw in Sam Darnold and you roll with that. But um, if you're just going with the picks, you know, it's too risky for me. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it with, with these guys. I would do it going up to number one, maybe, if I could trade up to number one, Watson, and then I'll draft Lawrence. I'll roll my chips like that and For sure. and take that chance. But with any of these other guys, no thank you. I'm keeping Watson. Like, I, I'm not going to trade up. I'm not. Do, um, After one of these guys. What, uh, another thing, though, like, as far as the number one QB, you know, here we're saying, you know, yeah, Watson, I might trade him, you know, for that number one pick and roll the dice with the guy that we've seen that is a, a, as closest to a for sure thing from transitioning from college to the NFL as we've seen, like you said, since Andrew Luck with Trevor Lawrence, right? So have we ha, have we seen that? when when The last time we saw that was Andrew Luck? Yeah, Andrew Luck. Yeah. I'll give you the list here. 
top-rated quarterbacks coming out of college ever as far as ranking goes for Mel Kuyper was number one, John Elway, number two, Andrew Luck, number three, Peyton Manning, number four, Trevor Lawrence, five, Jim Kelly, six, Andre Ware, seven, Drew Bledsoe, eight, Ryan Leaf, nine, Troy Aikman, and number 10, Ben's boy, Josh Allen. That's quite a list. I think everybody was a hit except number eight, Ryan Leaf. Yeah. So it uh, seems like this is a first sure thing. He has him at the fourth highest ever. Right. So so that's when you do it. Like you don't you don't do it like you know when Kyler Murray's a potential number one pick or you know Baker Mayfield or any of these guys. So that's that that's been the biggest eye opener to me is the fact the unwillingness of these teams whose quarterbacks have the Jets on their trade destination and the Jets having that, you know, you could have your choice of player aside from Trevor Lawrence in the draft because it's pretty sure, but nobody's really, you know, we haven't seen that much traction with it. So I don't know how appealing that number two pick is just based on the yeah, uncertainty. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're pissed off that they couldn't tank. <laughs> well, they couldn't tank and get that number one spot. That really bit them in the butt. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ben, but let's put a number two at a ranking, one, two, three for the quarterbacks. I know Fields. I mean, uh, I go with the one. exact same ranking. I, 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 yeah, Fields. I mean, Fields showed a lot, and I'm nitpicking, and but I and the hit that he took was gotcha. But I mean, that that was a pretty bad hit, but it did a number on him, man. And he's he's a smaller guy, isn't he? Like, I, I mean, he's not Kyler small, but no, he's, he's six three. He's, he's six three, six dude. four. Yeah, he's a big oh. dude. Because I so because you compare him to him. Yeah, he cracked. did get cracked. Like that was a hit, and that was I was, that was going to lead me to say if he's getting cracked like this, and in and you know it's taking that big of a toll in college. You know the the defenders only get bigger in the NFL. So that, but the same way, I mean, I'm going to have my eye on on Zach Wilson because he's the wild card. It's either going to go really good, or I think it's going to go like man, he wasn't ready at all, and you know the competition, or he can make all the throws, and now he's in the NFL with better players. And he can make the throws, and the players are there, so it's going to work out. Um, I'm I'm interested to see which way it goes with him. For me, I like Trevor Lawrence one. I think there's no need to even talk about that. That's one. Number two, Justin Fields did a lot of the throws. He beat Clemson, and he I mean, you saw the bombs he was throwing. He was looking, taking two yeah. looks down the field. Yeah. And he was in it last year up until that last interception. If not, they would have beat Clemson last year too. And then. Number three is going to be the change for me. I got to put Mac Jones in there for what he did all season long. And Shout they played all SEC games, better defenses. He plays in a system. He's on a stacked offense, though. He did have a stacked offense, but, I mean, look at the stats. Did he made the, the throws. Over, he did make the made throws. The, throws. So, yeah. the, the, the arm strength's there. But for me, what really sets him apart, uh, and I know it's, it, might be, it might be something stupid, but it's the character. The guy had to sit behind Hertz. He had to sit behind Tua. He stayed the course. He competed. He won his job this year because they had a five star who was supposed to win it in Bryce. Yeah. Yep. Uh, young. Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Yeah, and yeah. he beat him out. And he had a hell of a year. Took the Heisman because of it. I got to put him at three. I'm glad you brought up Mac Jones because they've been talking to a lot of the receivers and skill position players on that team and asking them about Mac Jones versus Tua. And a lot of the guys have said that they uh, preferred Mac Jones to Tua. Uh, Devonta Smith said that he liked Mac Jones better than Tua in terms of a quarterback. Um, I know Waddle came out and said the same thing, that they preferred or likened uh, Mac Jones to Tua. 
And I think Najee Harris said the same thing. Um, so it says a lot that these guys are coming out and, and backing up their guy um, and Mac Jones, seeing that they they played um, both of them. So or played with both of these uh, quarterbacks. So uh, Mac Jones, I, I think, is um, a name to look after. I know Ben said the wild card, and I agree with him, the wild card in, in terms of the guy with the biggest ceiling um, or range is uh, Zach Wilson, but I do want to see where Mac Jones ends up because he wasn't a guy in, coming into the beginning, in, coming into the beginning of the year that you thought would be in a conversation for a first round draft pick, and he's a first rounder in every board that I've seen or every mock draft that I've seen. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, guys, um, anything else that you want to cover as far as NFL goes before we move on to NBA and Roland gets us through that one? Nope. All right, well, that's a wrap for the NFL. Roland's going to get us with the NBA right now. All right, guys, it's basketball time. I think it's everybody's favorite segment. And since we're in everybody's favorite segment, I'm going to bring back everybody's former favorite segment, Dr. Saucy. I I mean, Dr. Saucy has to come back for this little one right here. Uh, I just have to say it because today marks the one-year anniversary that the NBA got shut down because of COVID. You know, this is, you know, when, you know, Rudy Gobert was, you know, touching the mics and all that, making fun of it. And then Rudy Gobert became the the first player infected with COVID or the first player that tested positive for COVID. Um, I know they've been running like a little E60 these past couple of days on it, a little uh, soap story for our soap story for, for Rudy Gobert, but um yeah it marks a year we it's become a year since that happened you know the nba shut down for three months and came back for the bubble you know the the infamous bubble and uh disney world guys does this uh does this day bring back any memories for you do you remember what happened uh when that thunder and jazz game got called off i think i had bet on the game or something and just i just hear what uh the the jazz uh game got canceled they told him get off the court what's going on what do you guys remember from that day? Yeah, it was. I remember it being pretty sad because the NCAA stuff had already been canceled. You know, the first day of those conference tournaments, um, that had been canned. So then the NBA was kind of everybody's like, oh, we still got NBA. And then, nope, here goes the NBA also. But one thing I will say, I know that we, we give Rudy Gobert a lot of shit, but I mean, for that one year, I mean, he's had a pretty good rebrand. I mean, they have the number one record in the NBA. He got paid. He he got paid. He made the all-star team, and he ain't crying this all-star break. So, <laughs> you know, he did come back harder at least. He didn't let that, you know, take him into some sort of depression or whatever it is. Kind of put those rumors aside of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert aren't going to be able to co- coexist and, you know, get this team over the hump. So right now they're doing their thing. You know, I don't like looking back at that moment because it was such sad times as far as yeah, there being horrible. nothing to do for us and shit. Like, I'm, today with all the college basketball that was on, it was insane, bro. Like, you know, all day. And we missed out on all of this last year. We were so. robbed of it last year. I know there's we bigger things robbed. to look at, but, yeah. I mean, there's no college basketball last year. So, yeah. what about you, Justin? Podcast, we were robbed. Yeah, it does bring sad memories. I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in my grandma's couch, rest in peace, and it hit me like a brick. I started to feel like I had feared COVID was going to escalate. But at this point, it really felt like, hey, my world's about to change. And what do I mean by my world is my sports world, my hobby, what I enjoy to watch, what I, 
like to see. And it was a big change. It was a big shock. And, and then I, the tournament had been canceled, and I said, man, here's our window for the Lakers. You know, we have a little chance here with LeBron. I thought he was gone. I thought right away, you know, this is gone. Yeah. But then I understood, you know, why it had to be done. At the moment, I just thought, man, Rudy Gobert, you're a clown because of this, bro. I didn't think he'd ever be able to outlive it. But like Ben has said, he has had one hell of a rebound yeah. season this year. And I think um, other than up until today, up until today, because it was the anniversary, we have uh, pretty much forgotten that we haven't labeled him a clown all season. Uh, guys lead the West. Yeah. So. And you're and you're happy. You're Lakers, you know, you guys got a championship out of it. Yeah. Never you. fear LeBron is here. You know, he saved the the NBA. He, he's the one who brought him back. I remember we were talking about that. And hey. COVID kind of helps. I'm not saying helped, and every, COVID has been horrible. But Played you know, we, I'm saying we kind of did get started. You know, throughout COVID, uh, you know, we had a lot more time on our hands, and we're like, hey, let's get the the podcast going. So it, it um, kind of started that too. So yeah, um, Rudy Gobert has had a little bit of a rebrand, though. I do agree, um, but I don't know. Still don't take him too seriously. Fuck him still. It's still yeah. fucking wrong. Yeah, <laughs> still, I'm still not a Rudy Gobert fan. Oh, but anyways, we, we did speaking of, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of COVID, we, we did talk about, you know, the, the all-star festivities and whether or not we sh- thought that they were going to go on. Uh, but nonetheless, they did. All-star weekend or the all-star day uh, was this past uh, weekend. It was on Sunday. On Saturday, we did have a little bit of a – Celebrity game. We had a, a 2v2 game on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched that. Quavo and Jack Harlow versus 2 Chains and, and Lil Baby. Honest, Colin, I didn't even know who Jack Harlow was. Yeah. And I was well, watching it. I was like, well, who is this dude? I'm, I'm, maybe that's I one of Roland's newest favorite rappers. Was, maybe uh, I, you know, I just didn't know who he was. I mean, he, he, he's a pretty popular rapper right now. Um, I wouldn't call him one of my favorites, but he is, sure. a pretty popular, he is a pretty popular rapper. I right have now. to but put me on, was, Roland. It was a pretty funny matchup. I'm not gonna lie. Not because, but anyways, uh, that did that made it an All Star weekend because that happened on Saturday. Because the NBA was technically a day. It all happened on Sunday evening. The skills competition got a kicked off. So, uh, Demontis Sabonis, he won. He represented the big men. He pulled the upset. Um, I think he beat Chris Paul in the finals, or was it Donkic? Should he beat in the finals? I, I know it was one of those two. But anyways, Sabonis won. Curry put on a show in the three point contest. Uh, he he won it. Uh, he won by one shot. I mean, if he put on yeah, a show, Mike Conley put on Conley put on a show, but Curry put on a show as well. Um, and he ended up winning. I I called he did the it with the pressure on him too. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm, but I mean, it was one more shot than Conley. I know you I, don't I, like him, but Conley put on a show too. I, I, I think both of you guys took uh, Booker, right? No, yeah, he, Booker didn't even get to play. Yeah, man. he was out. He was out. Shoot. Yeah. The, was there any legit three point shooters in there besides Curry? Mm, I don't know. I I forgot. I forget the list. I just know Curry won. It's really all that it was, matters. Um, the, the kid from the Bulls, Zach Levine. Z- Levine. It was uh, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. It was uh, Curry and Conley. the other shooter, Conley. Conley. Yeah. No sniper. They filled in for Booker. Uh, dunk contest happened during halftime. It was uh, Obi Toppin, Anthony Simmons, or Simons. And the third guy, uh, Cassius Stanley, who I thought got robbed on his got first robbed. dunk. His first dunk was amazing. He just made it look super, super easy. 
Uh, that's, that was a 50 dunk, but they gave him like a 44. And then he went out and choked it at the end. Anthony Simmons ended up winning. Did you guys like the dunk contest? Did you pay attention to it? Didn't watch it, but Obi Toppin should have won for sure. It was interesting because Obi Toppin did a dunk where um, he was going for like a little baseline reverse dunk where he, I guess, jumped, bounced the ball, went through his legs, caught it with his other hand, and slammed it for a reverse jam. Zach Levine did that dunk in a layup line. Yeah, you, a few in days ago, suit. people were pointing that out. Yeah, in, in his tracksuit. Uh, but that just—it's crazy for Obi Toppin though to pull that dunk off. Obi Toppin does have some uh, some springs on him. So, uh, dunk yeah, that contest, kid, though that Juan had springs. I mean, you saw oh, him yeah. kiss the rim. He had it off the top of the backboard. Now I wasn't impressed with the dunks as far as um, you know just yeah. creativeness, but the guy had springs, bro. And, I heard the judges were trash. Yeah, were. the judges were weird. Uh, Spud Webb didn't know what he was looking at. Uh, I think Dominique Wilkins was also. Are the judges always weird. trash? It seems well, like they have been questionable. Like, like Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, thankfully, they got was behind MMA the booth. judges out there, Wakas. Huh? Is there MMA judges scoring this shit? It's the judges of like if. Curry was in it and Ben was the judge. That's at least at least Glenn Wade wasn't judging. He was there doing commentary. Uh, but then you know that takes us to, uh, and I will say uh, before I get to the All Star game, uh, I do think the NBA made the the best of a of a weird situation. They got it all done. I don't think anybody got sick, um, but they they made the best of a weird situation getting the three point contest, the dunk contest, and the skill showdown all completed. I thought that was pretty cool. Gave the fans something to watch. I, I watched all all three contests, but uh, that brings us to the All Star game. Uh, LeBron's team. He won. Uh, he's four and zero ever since they switched to the the manager thing, where you, you pick your guys down the line like an old school pickup game. He hasn't lost. I think he's going to be a GM or an owner for sure in the future. I think he's already proven he knows how to pick a team. And uh, Giannis, I think he went sixteen for sixteen. He ended up winning the the All Star. Yeah, hit three threes. He also ended up winning the MVP. Uh, but I think everybody's highlight, at least my highlight, was. Uh, Lillard and, and Curry going back and forth, hitting the threes. Um, I think a, a lot of guys pointed out that that's a moment that fans needed to be there for. That would have been crazy with fans in the stands. I know I was going crazy watching that uh, Curry and Lillard go back. Uh, man, those guys have range. I thought it was a fun all-star game, not super competitive. I didn't think it was going to be competitive considering the circumstances, but it was, it was kind of entertaining. I mean, I, they made the most of it. You know, Roland, whenever you see the Elam ending, that to me is entertainment. I like that alternate ending. I feel Honor like they Kobe should implement also. that. Yeah, it was good that they did Honor Kobe. I, I wish they would do that, incorporate that into the playoffs or something, or maybe in the play-in game. I just prefer the Elam ending when it comes to the NBA. I don't know if you guys feel the same. I just like it. Well, more I'm competitive not. in the fourth. I, I think it's more competitive in the fourth, and, you know, it, it – <laughs> It's proven also that, you know, if you have a lead, like I said, this past All-Star game wasn't super competitive. Even with the Elam ending, the KD team got dominated, even with the Elam ending. Uh, You're up 20. It rewards the winners. It's insurmountable. But I I do agree with you. It does make it more entertaining at the end with the closer games. Uh, But, no, I I think we, we ought to keep it the same. I do think it's cool that they do that for the the NBA. Um, it's just, you know, a matter of finding a way to add an incentive, uh, you know, to the game. 
or making it you know more competitive, maybe throwing in more money uh, for these guys to play for. Um, I, I thought the MLB had a decent thing going for a while, uh, giving home field advantage to the winner or to that the winning cool. side. I thought that was Meant pretty something. cool. Made it mean something. But then at the, on the flip side, if you're you know one of those teams, what if you dominated the MLB and you had the best record by 10 games or something, you know, and your side of the all-star game lost? Like if you're an NL team and your guys lost that year, that's pretty crappy. But um, that's everybody's gripe with the, the NBA, right, or with all-star game, this competitiveness. In the NBA, all the East players don't just represent the East. They kind of mix and match. So I guess yeah, – the, yeah. Well, Roland, we weren't without hiccup, though. Something that we were concerned of was the COVID situation. And two yeah, big yeah. stars had to be removed from the game, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Any word as far as are they going to be eligible to play once uh, their team comes back? I think they might even be back tonight. Um, I think if they're back tonight, they're not eligible. But and Vito's I, out. Simmons was in. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. But I do know that they've both posted like negative tests. I think it's just more of um, the timing uh, of when they they tested positive for this stuff, which is you know everybody's worst nightmare was you know these guys getting sick during All Star Weekend. But uh, thankfully, I think I think it happened in Pennsylvania, or at least that's when the contact happened. It was with uh, one of their their barbers that had tested positive or something like that. Always the uh, barber, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's. I think they're good to go. It's just a scary situation with those guys getting getting sick. Because you heard them, or you heard the announcement, and you're like, "Oh crap! Were these guys in Atlanta already? Uh, were they at shoot around with the the, the guys or or whatever?" Uh, but at least it was just limited to two people. But yeah, that was a good uh, call out, Justin, uh, talking about um, the, the COVID concerns there um, at the All Star Game. But um, anything else that you guys wanted to point out with the, the All Star Game? Um, anything that you guys saw uh, is worth mentioning? Not necessarily with All Star Game, but what may have transpired afterwards. Now it does seem like we might have a game on our hands between Quavo and uh, Chris Brown, just for the entertainment aspect. Uh, I know they were chopping it up, I believe, on Twitter saying Chris Brown uh, said Quavo couldn't handle him on the court. I would like to see that game uh, get done, maybe a little celebrity game for charity. I'd, I'd tune in, I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's hard for me to tell, like, what these guys, like, who's better than who because a lot of the time, you know, what I suspect at least is that they're playing against people that are probably, like, on their payroll, Right, like when you see them on YouTube, on Instagram, yeah, they're like playing dummy defense, right? It's just, hey, get me for the Instagram. Let me, you know, pull up on you or or cross you up or whatever. So I don't really put too much stock in that. But uh, Chris Brown has played in a lot of celebrity games that I've seen, and he can dunk. So I'll give him that. Um, We say that, man, but then there's Trick Daddy. I was seeing an interview today of him and Shannon Sharp on Shannon Sharp's podcast. Oh yeah, not Master P, not Master P, Master P. Yeah, played in. But the how NBA. he was, he was with the Charlotte Hornets, and how he was with the Raptors. So I know there's been some players who say that they can make it. You yeah. know, we've seen Jay Cole. A lot of these guys play college ball as well. Um, so interesting, but I'd I'd go with Chris Brown for sure in that game. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. uh, for for me, the the one thing that I noticed too, and I, I've been seeing this in a lot of uh, talk shows, is how happy LeBron James was playing with Steph Curry. 
<laughs> and like passing him the ball and whatnot. Like he was just so elated. Yeah, it was crazy. But for me, like I said in the beginning of the All Star introduction, uh, Curry and Lillard stole the show for me. Uh, but yeah, that that was All Star weekend. Uh, it was a little weird. I saw somebody point out before too. I will want. I, I will point this out. The jerseys, they were yeah, yellow. Like the- so the jerseys, they if you guys go look on Google. Um, they they're pretty similar to the Indiana Pacers, yeah. Retro jerseys. They're paying homage to Indiana. The All Star game was supposed to be in Indiana this. Excuse me, was supposed to be in Indiana this year, and they got moved to Atlanta. The NBA said, "Screw it, we're gonna keep the jerseys though." So those oh, jerseys were meant for the Indiana All Star game. That history made the jerseys a little bit better for me now that I know that. It looked yeah. like some like shoot, I didn't like shoot around jerseys is what it looked like. Yeah, it's weird, but um, I know we talked crap of, or I did at least of, of about the NBA and how I thought it was irresponsible having the All Star game. As a fan, I'm glad they did it because um, I'm always I'm I'm always for the best players in the league getting together and and, and playing. Yeah. So I'm glad they did it. But anyways, speaking of, you know, a bunch of talented players getting together and playing on the same team, uh, you know, we got uh, the Olympics coming up. And, you know, the USA loves to throw out those super teams. You know, we love bringing back gold uh, in the basketball. We love throwing out the dream teams or redeem teams um, in the past couple of years. And, you know, there's some been some news that have come out. You know, a couple of uh, names have been added to the list of eligible players, I guess, for the team or uh, finalists that are going to be um, eligible to make the final cut for the Olympics coming up this year, which should be interesting to pay attention to um, if guys opt out or opt in because of how close it is to the to the NBA finals, the, you know, how close the, the schedule is. Uh, but some notable names that got added that I do want to point out: Jeremiah Grant from the Pistons is being invited. Uh, Jared, Van, so far. yeah, Jared Van Fleet is being invited. Uh, Zion Williamson, uh, shout out Christian Wood, he's Christian been invited. Uh, Trey Young has been invited. Julius Randle, Zach Levine. Um, I think I already said Trey Young, and um, another name that I'll throw out there. Um, is uh, John Wall has been invited too. Um, the names that are already on the list, you know, it's just the obvious suspects. You know, LeBron James is there, uh, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, KD. Um, out of the young guys or out of the guys that I mentioned, do you, do you think any of these guys have a real chance at making the team? I think they need to get some athleticism on the team, some young athleticism. Zion. Zion for, sure, for sure, Zion will be on the team. That's, you think that's, he makes the final cut? Yeah, I think Trey Young will probably get on the team as well, just based off of you know, like the 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 aspect that they bring to the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think guys are going to opt out too. A lot of the veterans are going to opt yeah. out. I think so. That's going to open it up for the young guys. I think uh, Trey Young and Zion are are for sure an in. Uh, two names that I think that maybe be on the outside, but I want to see would be uh, Zach Levine and Julius Randle. I'd like to see Zach Levine. I, I think he could he could put on for Team USA for sure. I think that's a good name. And let's see uh, maybe how far Christian Wood goes. I think his game might be pretty good for um, 
the, the world game for the FIBA rules exactly. Yeah. I think his game it, uh, might, might fit well for them. It's, it's more it's it's like for players above the rim. I, I think it's especially and, off the rim and taking the ball off the rim. I, I would yeah. choose him over Randall for that reason, just the the size and and you want a big who can stretch out the the floor and you sure. can hit the three. So sure. so yeah, I just wanted to point that out because we are in an Olympic year and uh, we're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty here or we're starting to get down to that. I, I know it's going to get uh, settled uh, during the year um, as we get closer, but um, Greg Popovich is going to be the coach, if you guys didn't know also. Uh, but Roland, that, um, I do want to ask you, because you did up? mention some of these veterans might be opting out. Could you see, like, you know, 36-year-old LeBron saying, you know what, I have my medal, let me opt out, I, I need my, my rest? Yeah, I don't think LeBron will play. Because uh, I, I think they're going to be playing down to the end. Uh, they're probably going to make the finals uh, if uh, Anthony Davis comes back. But um, Kawhi Leonard, just to give you you know um, another comparison, he has said that he wants to play in the Olympics. He already oh. is. He's already come out and said that he wants to play. So Kawhi Leonard is already. I mean, he's a top five player, top three, depending where you have him ranked. I think um, that, he's already come out and said that he's played. I think there's a handful of guys we can count on playing. Like, I mean, if Kawhi's saying it, I'm pretty sure Paul George will play in it. Um, I'm James pretty Harden sure probably do I'm it. I'm pretty sure that James Harden will as well. There's just some guys who are always down to hoop. Yeah. I uh, think uh, Anthony Davis would be a question. Yeah, I think LeBron James will opt out, had, though. Yeah. Devin Booker, another guy who hopefully we'll see on that team. I think that that's where, you know, he can get some right. I think that some of these older guys should just take a step back and give these guys the look, man. Like, like Chris Paul, been there, done that. Yeah, like let Trey Young get a look. Yeah. So and and the I know the the thing that might happen with that is obviously the USA will have all the talent though by far, but the chemistry and all that stuff that you know these vets that have played on those teams um, kind of bring. Uh, more disciplined than some of these younger guys who, you know, we could see Trey Young maybe start chucking a couple of shots as to where Curry wouldn't, you know, shoot three or four times in a row. I don't know. You know, I'm trying to look at it from different angles, but I do think that it would be nice to see the young guys, you know, get a chance and hopefully they don't go on that stretch that USA basketball had, you know, for a while with the third place finishes and, and all that Bronze. stuff. Do you think that they could still get gold if they just went, you know, younger? I I think so. With um, like a Kawhi led team instead of a LeBron led team. And I don't know because the Olympics, if you look at basketball, it's that world sport. You know, the NBA invests in other countries. They put out camps. The basketball has gotten better, and you're playing yeah. on the set of feeble rules. It's not a walk in the park anymore as it once was. The, the, I think the basketball has gotten better, but. I mean, if if you're just excluding, like, if you're just excluding LeBron James, Anthony Davis, KD, KD, that I mean, you still got guys like Damon Lillard who's probably going to want to play. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard has already said he wants to play. Paul George said he wants to play. Uh, James Harry Harden will play. play. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the NBA will take that. I I think honestly. Oh yeah, uh, definitely the talent pool's well, on our side, but I think it is a little more competitive. Yeah, because I, I mean, you got guys like teams like Serbia, right? Um, who they're they're got guys in the NBA and they've played together forever, so they got you know uh, chemistry like that. Uh, that's hard to compete with, especially at the FIBA level. But uh, I think the NBA's talent um at a, is just at another level in terms Spanish of the American guys. Older, so they're not. Yeah. 
But you know, speaking a guy was invited still. He's not a part of the original list. He he's a part of the new list that uh, was invited. He's just made news recently bringing him up as Blake Griffin. Uh, Blake Griffin was invited uh, to the NBA camps uh, to the NBA Olympic camp, but Blake Griffin has also recently just signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I don't know the buyout guys. Yeah, it was a buyout. Justin did call it. Um, We were talking about him, you know, as being somebody who might not uh, stay on his current team. Uh, Justin did say that he would leave by way of the buyout and he's ended up on the nets, a team that we've called uh, for, uh, for uh, front court reinforcement ever since that they got rid of a Jared Allen as part of the, uh, the James Harden deal. We said that they're, they're a team that needs front court reinforcement with, and uh, but, um, DeAndre Jordan can't be your only guy. So they go out and get Blake Griffin um, on the free agent market. Do you guys like this move? Do you think Blake Griffin does anything for this team? Do you think it's a done deal in the East? I don't Last like week, it. Yeah, we, like we it. shot on him, so there's no reason to praise this deal or praise this player going to him at all. The, I heard the, this week the needle doesn't move because of Blake Griffin. The Nets move the needle on Blake Griffin. It's just it's not it's not a big deal to me. That's that's what it is. And it's just the the amount of easy shots that he's gonna have now, you know, in that pick and roll with Kyrie and with James Harden. We've seen DeAndre Jordan. I mean, we all thought DeAndre was, you know, had no business in the starting lineup. But just with the alley oops and the easy layups that he's gotten off of all the attention that these, you know, ball handlers are getting, Blake Griffin will get a couple easy shots, but I mean, bro, he's nothing special. You know, I think they would have been way better off with Andre Drummond, obviously, um, than Blake Griffin. But it's good just based on, you know, getting another vet and stuff. But I'm not – I mean, it's it doesn't move the needle for me, to be honest. It's like – this to me is like when Marc Gasol joined the Lakers. The name of Marc Gasol joined the Lakers, but you could kind of see that it's not there anymore. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely not going to say that Blake Griffin's the guy that he was in 2014 or 2015 uh, as part of Lob City. You know, going out there and you know he led the NBA in dunks a lot of those years. Hasn't dunked it yet. I, I don't think once. He yeah, he dunked. hasn't dunked it. But I will say I, I like the move. I will agree with both of you. It doesn't move the needle. Like it doesn't make them any more contenders. But I I do think it's a good move for them. And like Ben said. I think it's more of, you know, the Nets, you know, moving the needle for, for Blake Griffin. I think that oh, yeah. him being on that team is going to unlock a lot of his capabilities, I think. He's an improved shooter. He's shown he can hit the three. He's a pretty good ball handler. The last healthy year that he had in Detroit, he, he was running point forward for them, doing everything under the sun for that team. And he showed that he's capable. He He's an all-around player. He's not a guy that needs to be above the rim to survive in the NBA. He has enough talent uh, to survive and be a, a viable contributor on the NBA team. And then when you're asking him to be not even a second or, or third option, uh, sh- shoot, not even a fourth option a lot of the times, you're just asking him to be a complimentary player. Um, I think Blake Griffin's more than capable of doing that, and I like the move for the Nets. Um, it just solidifies their role even more. Uh, what about you, Just? Do you, I mean, do you have anything more to add, do you, or you're just not impressed? I, I, last week I spent too much time, you know, pooping on the kids, so I, I'm not going to say this is great. Um, 
The only thing, like you did say, he doesn't have to even be the fourth option. They're not going to expect a lot of him. So he's going to get his looks, and he'll probably knock him down when he's going to be open. But he's not the old Blake Griffin. He's not playing above the rim anymore. He's not that much of a threat in the post. He's going to be shooting, you know, a lot more mid-range. But that's where his game stops, you know? Got our LaMarcus Aldridge game now, and he, I mean, he made his name playing above the rim. So, and and Ben, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, well, you know, buy buy out uh, buyout names. Uh, I'll save LaMarcus Aldridge buyout for the season. end. It's it is buyout season. Uh, some names that I have, I, I got two names before we get to LaMarcus. Um, Otto Porter for the Bulls. Uh, there's that team has a a lot of. The same, you know, they just drafted Patrick Williams, who's yeah. pretty much like Otto Porter, but a rookie um, who they're pretty high on, and he's played pretty well in the first half of the season. And then the other name, um, Andre Drummond. Uh, he He's a buyout candidate right now with the Cavs. Um, I know he's been linked to the Lakers. Uh, I know he's Nets. also been linked to the Nets. And recently uh, he's been linked to the Suns. Who a lot of people think that they they need a, another big man to solidify like their their case. Yeah, um, like where do you think Drummond ends up? I think I I mean I would knock the Nets off of the list now, right? Or yeah, is there still an open door be, even with Blake? Would y'all think? Mm, I, I think they could use all the help that they can get in the front court. Honestly, um, Blake I'm not Blake Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Doesn't make me feel very happy, but like I, I just said, uh, Blake Griffin is another reinforcement, and they could they could use Drummond, uh, but I, I think Drummond's going to end up with the Lakers. I, I think the Lakers need to make a move, um, and I think Drummond's a guy. It's either like him or Javale McGee. I saw that the Lakers were looking that they're not very you know pleased with the Gasol experiment that they were ready to move on, yeah. so that they are in the market. It makes sense. I mean, the rich will get richer with buyout season. That's usually how it gets. I think another team we need to keep an eye on for big men is uh, the Boston Celtics. I think that that is their big glaring hole. I think that, you know, they, they need a a legit five, a five that's going to help you on both ends, not just, you know, Tristan Thompson's an undersized five. Um, the other, who's that other white dude that they have? Dice, Daniel Dice. Dice, you know what I mean? He's not yeah. he's not a starter by any means. The, the Celtics actually came out in the news or came out in uh, the Twitter feed or the, the timeline uh, for apparently being ready to trade multiple first-round picks for Jeremiah Grant. For Grant. Uh, yeah, they're looking to try and make a move. Um, they just got him. But, I mean, isn't that the same – isn't that like a, a taller Tatum and, and like Brown? Isn't it kind of the same guy? Positionless basketball. I know he's solidified as a four. I know he, he runs a four a lot, but to your point, yeah, it's kind of like the same thing. Just um, maybe he he offers a little bit of shot blocking, um, but I don't know that they're in the market. They're, they're and the Pistons just got their hands on on Grant also, so yeah. I don't see that at all. Uh, but you did bring up um, Lamarcus Aldridge. Him and the Spurs have recently, you know, decided to part ways. Um, they haven't decided whether that's going to come through a trade or through a buyout, but this much is clear. The Marcus Aldridge displayed his last game as a San Antonio Spur. Uh, before I get into it, I do want to say thank you to LaMarcus Aldridge. I think he, he – no, I'm serious because he came that's in cool. he, he came he came in at a time 
where the Spurs had just won a championship and he was coming in to keep the ball rolling. You know, he came in during the last year or two of uh, Tim Duncan's career. Um, came in, he was supposed to be paired up with Kawhi Leonard, but we all know what happened there. And he just got caught in a weird time, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge did as a spur. I thought he caught a lot of flack. Um, I was I always liked LaMarcus Aldridge. I've liked him since he was at Texas. Um, that's, you know, who I rooted for as a kid, uh, watching him in college. I, I remember him with Daniel Gibson and that team that they had and DJ Augustine. Um, a lot of memories there. So LaMarcus Aldridge has always been one of my favorite players. I thought he played well for the Spurs again. Thought he got a lot of unfair flack for what happened in the Kawhi Leonard situation. There's nobody left to to yell at except for LaMarcus, and he was a pro the whole way through. Uh, but yeah, he's not going to be on the Spurs anymore. They haven't decided if it's a trade or a buyout. But if you're asking me, why trade for him if you know he's not going to play again? Just wait for the buyout, right? Yeah. So, um, do you guys think he ends up on a contender? New York. The Knicks. I think that he he'll be the one to end up either on the Lakers or the Blazers. But I I don't understand that move from front offices. I mean, is it just like you know get dibs and not worry about him clearing waivers? I don't understand the whole you know he's away from the team and we're gonna try and find trade suitor before we decide to buy him out. Why would anybody trade for him if you're gonna buy him out? It doesn't make any sense. Only if you get desperate because you hear the. Rumors are more than one team wants him. If you know that you're the only team that's going to be wanting him. Yeah. How yeah. big is the market on a LaMarcus Aldridge? I think there's about four teams that have come out and had interest. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. And then you're not going to do him dirty either. Like, it's being an organization like the Spurs, you're not going to trade him somewhere. Uh, that he doesn't want to end up, so you want to at least give him that right to choose where he wants to go. You know, his last few years of his career – and, you know, I don't – he's not a part of, you know, the new movement of the Spurs because obviously there's been a little bit of a shift uh, with the Spurs going young. Uh, then, you know, he's entitled to do what he wants. Um, I, I think he's handled it professionally. And we've all seen the other side of how this can be handled uh, with what happened with the Kawhi Leonard situation. So, um, yeah. Shout out to LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, you know, thanks for being a Spur. Uh, glad you were a Spur for the th the four years that you were here. So, yeah, man, shout out to LaMarcus Aldridge. It's weird, weird seeing that he's not going to be a Spur anymore. Uh, well, I'm glad did. for them. They, they're going to go young, like you said, and I think uh, there's a lot of young talent on that team. So we'll see what Pop does. You know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. One thing Popovich probably won't do is sign My Myers Leonard. <laughs> uh, in the in the free agency market, especially after what happened, I think what was the news broke yesterday uh, that he uh, came out and had or made an anti-Semitic comment. I'm not going to repeat it because I don't want to get flagged, and I don't believe in saying those kind of things. Um, but yeah, he got caught on the game stream saying something pretty bad. Um, what do you guys make of the situation? And he came out with the whole um, "I didn't know what it meant" uh, excuse at the end of it. Uh, a, do you guys buy his apology? No. And B, um, just would it do anything for you as a as a player in that locker room? Maybe it won't do anything um, as a player in that locker room because you know the makeup of that locker room. There's no Jewish people, but I don't buy the apology at all. 
you know, if that word is in your vocabulary, that's not a word that is used commonly on the streets. You don't hear it in the rap songs. You don't hear it commonly with friends. It's not a word that is used in everyday vocabulary. To me, that's a special kind of racism, brother. I just think that's it's messed up. Yeah, it's uh, like he, he went out of his way. He to own it. it. Yeah, that's, he went out of his way. But bro. that's Xbox Call of Duty lobby talk right there, bro. That's <laughs> no, for I, damn I, sure. I, I agree with you, Ben. There's you know, they push the we've envelope. All, in that we've talk. all been in those lobbies, bro. We've yeah, but you know, who, you know who you are, though. That's, you know who you are. But, and but, but, but the point hosting. is, it, that's that's the biggest thing is that he's an adult. Usually, I mean, we all heard this shit when we were kids. Uh, the thing is, he's an adult. He's an NBA player. You know, somebody who's looked at as a role model. And, and it was shit. his own live stream. It's his own. And and yeah, I mean, it might not affect him that much with his team, just because maybe there's not that many. There's he doesn't have any teammates from that culture, um, or whatever it may be. But yeah, not the best choice of words. They suspended him a week. Um, I know that I they find him, but due to him being injured, you know, it won't the fine. It's just the fine. He won't be actually getting paid. Uh, he won't be getting dog game checks because he's injured at the time of the suspension. So, yeah, a lesson to be learned. I know a lot of these players uh, do do the video game streaming, and that is another you know way for them to get their name out and and bring in revenue too. Bring bring in revenue, yeah, a market, do all that type of stuff. But definitely um, the wrong way to do it, right here, Miles Leonard. I haven't heard that word in like twenty plus years. Okay. I I never heard that word, honestly. I never heard that word before. Um, I don't buy his excuse. I mean, I don't know what. I, so it, the 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 proper excuse or the proper apology in that situation for him would just be like, "Hey, like, I'm not racist. I just said like a really stupid word. I was being stupid, and I apologize." The whole like I don't know what it meant thing He's is no really, Papa John, you know. Yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> any, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't think he's gonna catch a lot of flack for it in the in the locker room because, like Justin said, I don't think there's a lot of there's no Jewish players in that locker room. It's probably just gonna be like, dude, what are you talking about? I will say though, Miles Leonard, he was one of those people that made it a point to stand during the national anthem, yeah. so it might make you think like. Hey, like, is this the only word that he has in his in his arsenal, or does he have more that he reels off? You know that we don't get to hear. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what it makes me think about a little bit. Credibility is uh, not on his side right now. Yeah, it's just a little questionable. He did get fined fifty thousand. He suspended a week. Uh, but Miles Leonard is like a role player at that. Um, so I I don't think the Heat are going to be hurting too much uh, with him being out. Um, but you know, that's all the stuff that happened, you know, in the, I guess the NBA all-star break the week that we had off, you know, what, all the stuff that we just covered and the NBA did the, yeah, a lot happened. Like we, we always say the NBA is a gift that keeps on giving, you know, there's news almost every night, whether it's the games played or just drama that goes on, um, after, um, after the game is played or before. Um, but Games were played last night. Uh, there were two games, uh, the Grizzlies and the Wizards and the Mavs and the Spurs. Uh, the Grizzlies the Grizzlies won pretty easily. Um, and the, the Spurs and the Mavs kind of went down to the last couple minutes, and Luka just went insane. I, I know he was all over ESPN with a little step back that he hit on DeJounte. Uh, but I'm just glad the NBA is back. Uh, there's some games going on right now. I know the Nets and Celtics are playing. 
um, as we broadcast right now. There we go. Um, did, did anything pop out at you guys last night in the games that you watched, or did you watch any of the NBA? First half, I, I thought that game was great. Went down to the wire. In the end, Luka takes over. You know, it's good to see the young talent on both sides. I like that game. Yeah, Luka went hard. I mean, he had a tri- He was in the triple-double watch by the third quarter. Um, I think he, he was already in like 13-9-9 or something like that um, in the beginning of the third. So, yeah, it's just sad the Spurs couldn't get the victory because that, that's going to be a big – uh, big matchup for them uh, throughout the rest of the year is going to be the Mavs. Uh, I think they might end up in that that range with the Spurs maybe playing for a, a possible play-in uh, situation. So that'd be pretty crazy to watch that matchup. Um, but keeping it with basketball, or just moving uh, just moving on through, because um, like I said, there's only two games last night, but we do have some more basketball to get to. The NCAA tournament, we're getting closer to it, as, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, there is basketball going in all day right now. All the, uh, the power five conferences, all their tournaments are underway. Um, all the mid majors have been going on since last week. Uh, some, um, automatic bids have already been given out with conference tournaments. Um, I think as of, or before today, 11 teams have already punched their ticket, um, to the conference tournament, which includes, uh, Gonzaga which is probably going to be the number one overall seed. I think they finished the year undefeated. Uh, they beat BYU last year or last night. Excuse me. It was a close game uh, down to the last couple minutes of the second half, uh, but the uh, the Zags proved to be too much and they end up pulling away. Um, but some big news: the Duke Blue Devils, a team that they're probably they they were going to be out i think regardless i think they needed to win the acc tournament to be in they were getting hot uh, in the tournament though yeah they were getting hot they were looking good uh but they just got ruled out coach k's out due to covid or not he didn't get covid but somebody in their primary circle tested positive yeah but he was in their primary circle so it eliminated them he wasn't on the court at all so i think louisville will be okay uh but duke is eliminated well, I gotta ask you though. In that case, they were supposed to play Florida State tonight. Does Florida State just get an automatic advancement now? Yep, they move on. They move on. And I'm glad you asked that question because that's exactly how it would work in the NCAA tournament. If you're, let's say, in the Sweet 16, it's supposed to be uh, Michigan versus Florida or whatever, and Florida goes down with COVID. Michigan automatically goes to the Elite Eight. No questions about it. Uh, that's just how it's going to work this year. Um, the, yeah, that's part of the new rules. The NCAA said they're not replacing any team once it gets up to 48 hours before the tournament. So once we get within that 48-hour range, who's ever, whoever's in the field of 68, that's it. If you go down with the Rona, the team that you're supposed to play, just moves on, uh, and that's how it's going to be. I got to ask um, you, know, that's a new rule, and I just want to play a little devil's advocate here and say what happens. You got the final game. Let's just say it's Gonzaga-Baylor. Baylor has a guy who tests positive. Is that a wrap? Gonzaga's its champion? I think it'll so. Be as le- it'll be as legit as the Lakers title, cuz. Don't, don't, do don't do that, man. I want to know the real answer here. Yeah, no, that's it. 
Wow, okay. I think if it was for the title game, they'd be able to extend it, just being that it would only affect the two, the only two teams left in it. I don't think that they would hand over a title, you know, based off of DQ without even playing the game, but that's just interesting my how that take. plays out. Oh, God forbid that happens. Yeah, well, I mean, you're already speaking it into existence over here. Put it out in the universe already. Some they're, bullshit you're they're just trying to they're just trying to get things done as quickly as possible, honestly. And so that's why if you get the Rona, you're out. It's pretty much what it's going to go down to. So hopefully, all these guys can follow the rules, just stay in their hotel room, and not come away with the Rona. It's going to be tough, but we'll see what happens. But uh, with that said, we are in March. Things are getting crazy. Um, you know, some teams' fates are being decided here uh, as we talk. You know, there's conference tournament games going on. Guys getting eliminated uh, or extending their their journeys for another couple of days. Um, as we stand right now, you know, the number one seeds, probably the usual suspects, Gonzaga, Baylor, probably looking at it right now. Baylor just wrapped up a victory today in the, the, Big, Ten the Big 12 championship and Michigan and Illinois. Uh, can't really argue uh, with those first or with those uh, number one seeds. Uh, but some people on the bubble that I do want to point out, um, teams like Syracuse, uh, teams like Xavier, maybe like Ole Miss and, and Drake and maybe like uh, Utah State. St. Uh, Louis. St. Louis. Uh, the, big, State. the big name on there that I think may have already done enough to get in. Is Syracuse. I, I think Syracuse is in the tournament now. Uh, they got a W last. Uh, they got a W yesterday. Um, I forgot who they've been blinking out. I bet on them yesterday to win, and, and they ended up winning pretty easily. Oh, they beat NC, NC State, State yesterday. NC they beat State, NC State so. yesterday, and then today they pulled off the upset. Did they? They pulled off the upset. No, they, against, they, they didn't. They right? lost. Okay. They lost at the buzzer. Okay, they lost in a yes. They lost at the buzzer. To Virginia. to Virginia, the number I one mean, seed, right down to the wire, to the number one seed in the ACC tournament. Three. I think they've done enough to get in. Um, maybe they'll I, take I think spot. I think that I, I, I was under the belief that maybe they had to have won today, um, but we'll see. I think, I mean, I don't want to make something of it, but we'll see if this uh, COVID, COVID thing strikes any other teams before Selection Sunday, and maybe it allows some of these bubble teams to creep in. Uh, in a situation where if there was no COVID, you know, they wouldn't have. So it, it's going to be interesting. I do think that Syracuse had to win today, but they did put up a valiant effort against Virginia. Like I said, it was at the buzzard, man. It was a tie game, and the Virginia kid hit a three um, to, you know, not force overtime. And, you know, it's another thing to point out, too, is uh, the, the teams that have already had their um, ticket punched, uh, a lot of them are mid-major teams, and a lot of them are not the number one seed. So there, a lot of the number one seeds uh, in those mid-major tournaments lost and, and, and didn't get that automatic bid that they were looking for. So there might be some teams out there that um, are going to steal some at-larges or some at-large bids that uh, might have been expected or projected as an automatic bid uh, but didn't because they lost their conference tournament. Um, so like a team like, uh, St. Bonaventure or the Bonnies, they lost in the 18, in the A-10 tournament. Uh, 
um, do they get an at-large bid because uh, of what they did during the season? Um, I think that's pretty interesting. So uh, definitely a lot to look out for, especially because uh, a lot of these teams didn't play full schedules. Uh, it, it's been a weird season, much like college football. Um, a, a lot of teams had mid-season pauses, uh, but, you know, the conference tournament does determine a lot of things and things are about to start heating up as uh, the major or the mid, uh, excuse me, the mid, the power five uh, conference tournaments uh, get rolling. Uh, but that's what I wanted to point out. Um, I do want to say, I think the big 12 is probably going to get the most teams in. I think they'll probably get about six or seven teams in the tournament uh, the way that it looks right now. Um, is there anything you guys want to point out? No, just uh, the mid-major, the one number one seed that did win and it's probably going to be the highest-ranked mid-major, uh, Loyola Chicago. Yeah. Really good team. I'd say keep That's a the team that has the nun. Yeah. Yes, yes. Sister Jean, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sister Jean will be back in the tournament this year. And they've got the team to make a run, man. They're pretty good. They were ranked in the top 25 for a good portion of the season, and they ended up beating out Drake in that uh, – Conference uh, conference championship. Drake, another team who had you know bright things coming, but they lost their point guard, um, do it all point guard, and kind of fuck them to be honest. So I don't think that they end up getting a bid in just with that player missing. It's they kind of know what to expect with that Drake team, but looking forward to it. I know Saturday, I believe eight or ten conference uh, tournament championships will be decided. There'll be there'll be uh, ten. Uh, tournament championship games on, so Saturday will be lit. It's gonna be a fun day. I'm looking forward to it, honestly. For sure. And we got selection Sunday coming up, so uh, things are gonna start shaping themselves out the next couple of days. We got college basketball all the way through. Uh, be sure to pay attention to uh, the SharpMoney.com, um, the Twitter feed. Also, uh, Ben and I have been giving out some picks there. If you guys want to uh, follow along and you know and play some of the bets uh, that that we're taking, uh, if you guys want to follow or not, we're just posting them there uh, just to see if uh, we end up hitting or not. And to, ben, do you have an article on there? No, not really. Article, just posting you know little tidbits or plays that I'm jumping on. Yeah. Well, link us next time so I can post it on the. You know, we're talking about sports. I posted Roland's yeah. two articles up. They're up there if you all want to check them out. But um, actually, just one more thing uh, before we wrap up college basketball. Uh, do you guys have a favorite right now? Do you, do you guys have a team that you're thinking is going to win the tournament uh, based on what you've seen uh, so far? Uh, ben? You can't deny the team out of Spokane. What's that? Oh, uh, Gonzaga. So that's who you're going with, Justin? What about you, Ben? Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with them too. I will say that Illinois is a dark horse. I haven't believed in them much, but they seem to be putting it together. They have all the talent. It's just you know the young guys putting it together and and you know peaking at the right time. So I, I'm gonna go with Gonzaga as well, though, man. They're just a well-oiled machine. They're deep. They've been there, you know. They and it's they're bound to win one. It's a it's about damn time Gonzaga gets their title. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to to say anything else but Gonzaga. Uh, I think they they have probably the best college prospect 
or one of the better college prospects and Jalen Suggs. Um, I, I love his game at, at the point guard position. Um, and like you guys said, they're just, they're too well oiled of a machine uh, to think that they're going to drop a game uh, before getting to the final four. Uh, so if you can already bank that you're going to the final four, you, you got really good chances at that point. One dark horse I do want to point out, and this is even if they get in the tournament because uh, they're pending an appeal uh, on current uh, NCAA violations is Oklahoma state. Um, I do think they're a team that could get hot. They had the best player in college basketball, Cade Cunningham, who's been playing well. Uh, they just got back his, uh, his backcourt uh, running mate and they've been winning ball games. Um, they just beat uh, West Virginia for the second time uh, today. And if they can get into the tournament, cause they, they have appealed uh, their violation um, they could be a team that makes a sweet 16 or an elite eight run maybe and, and pull off an upset or two. Um, I, I do think they should be able to play like they just played during the COVID season, let them play. I don't even know what the violations were, um, but right now um, they're under appeal. So that's the team to look out for. So Oklahoma state. Cade Cunningham, future rocket. We'll see. We'll see. The rockets are definitely going to be in the lottery though. Um, for sure. Are they, they playing tonight? Yeah, today is the debut of uh, Kevin Porter Jr. with the Rockets. There we go. I need um, Christian Wood to come back ASAP. He look, he was practicing today, not playing today, but he should be back the next game or two. There we go. Looking forward to that. Well, uh, we're going to be talking NBA probably every podcast or talking about basketball in general with um, March Madness uh, being here already uh, for the next couple of podcasts. So, uh, that's it for the NBA and, and college basketball um, have announcement segment. What what is that, Justin? Before we wrap oh, up, that, oh, Sunday is a selection Sunday. We'll oh, that's running, right. Thank you, thank you for we'll be running a bracket tournament. Um, I don't have a prize, but you know we'll do it in fun. Yeah, we'll post it on ESPN. We'll post a link on Twitter, Facebook, um, anywhere where you guys can follow us. Uh, but yeah, we'll be doing the bracketology for sure. Um, it's always a crapshoot. This year's probably the biggest crapshoot that it's ever been. So don't be discouraged from participating. Anybody can win, honestly. Anybody can win. Like, I know we're sitting here talking like we've watched college basketball, and that's because we have. But even with that, I'll probably end up in last place in the group. So I just want to throw sure. that little uh, caveat out there. But yeah, that's it for um, basketball. Thanks for bringing that up, though. Yeah, Justin. man. Let's well, we'll wrap up basketball and let me just transition us into UFC. I wanted to just go over the three main, uh, the three title fights that you know transpired this past Saturday at that pay per view. Uh, a lot of you know, we had a blowout, we had a good fight, and then we had some controversy. Another one, we had a disqualification. Let me just ask you all. I mean, I'm pretty sure what's going to stick out to everybody. Um, as far as the most intriguing one was that Aljo and Sterling one, we all had, you know, that was the, the closest fight, you know, lined on, on, on the night. But what stuck out to you all from the three title fights on Saturday? What was the biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway, honestly, um, I'm not going to say Sterling because I, I do want to get to that later, but uh, was uh, John Blockowitz. Uh, I want to give him props because I think a lot of people, including Vegas, uh, with the odds makers um, wrote him off and, and thought that Izzy was just going to show 
like this world-class striking. I think a lot of us, including myself, thought that that's what was going to happen, and he was just going to outclass John. He was just going to be everywhere where John wasn't or whatever uh, people were saying. And John Blockowitz, he beat him 5-0 to zero or 4-1, to one, uh, depending how you want to look at it, um, on everybody's scorecard, including he did get one 10-8 round. He got yeah, one he, and he, he just proved that he was too big. Izzy was obviously scared of the power, didn't want to go in and exchange too much. And even when they did exchange, before John started taking it to the ground, I thought John was winning those exchanges. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. And, you know, I thought that Joe Rogan is off his rocker. I, I don't know what he was watching. I thought his commentary was weird throughout most of the night. Um, very biased. I think a lot of people came out and started saying that too. So that's another takeaway that I had um, that that I noticed throughout the night. But yeah, shout out to John Blockowitz. I'm glad he won um, and got to extend his reign as a light heavyweight champion. Because you can tell, I mean, the USC, the way that works, I, I thought they thought that was the perfect chance to make Izzy the double champ. It's like Jan is out. I mean, Jan is our champion. Like, you know, Justin and myself. We were talking triple champ saying he'll go to yeah. heavyweight, too. We were, we were talking, like, you know, Jan before this was a, a journeyman. Like, I think Justin said he was a failed middleweight, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're thinking this is a perfect opportunity to make Izzy a double champ and to market our next, you know, poster boy. Jan said, not so fast. It's like, I'm I'm a champion. I'm the guy. I'm gonna. It's gonna have to be Glover that takes this off of me. It's not gonna be Izzy. Um, so yeah, shout out Jan Blackwood. That was my big takeaway from the big three. Justin, well, you know, let me get into it a little bit here. First off, I said this pay per view was gonna suck. I feel like I was right. I feel like I've been validated. This pay per view did suck for me. Uh, Aljo ended in controversy. It did suck. I think Anderson was just a no contest, pretty much. Like, that was a non-issue, non-event. And then the John Blakovich fight without Asanya, I did predict that wrong. I was on Asanya. I said he had all the paths to victory. That fight sucked to watch too. John just whooped his ass off, you know, four out of five rounds. The, like Roland said, the commentary was way off. John statistically was outstriking the kid. Then he puts him on his back, and that is the worst defense I've ever seen off someone's back. Supposedly, Izzy has, you know, the skills off the back too, he said. He didn't have them. Very clear. He was trying to muscle his way off, trying to buck him off. You're not going to buck him off when he's that much heavier than you at this point. It's just, it was a lot, man. I just wasn't satisfied with the card, to be honest with you. So I, I want to ask you guys uh, both this question. This is something I've been thinking about. Um, maybe I'm wrong because, like, I'm not, like, the biggest UFC savant that there is. But, you know, Izzy and his victories um, leading up to this point, he's kind of done it stylistically like he has his own like you know that his entrance is very you know entertaining he does this whole thing with naruto he's a style bender or whatever um do you think he's a transcendent star do you think this kind of knocks uh some of that off like do you, do you think he is like the next um anderson silva or you know guy that is going to be the champion at middleweight for the next two years or three or whatever. Like, do you think Izzy's like a true, true talent that is going to be a champion for a long time? Or do you think this kind of proves that he's kind of like a normal person? 
We have to remember that he went up in divisions, you know, from the 180-pound division to the 205, and he didn't even weigh in at the 205 limit. He weighed in at 200. So I, I don't want to put too much. Socks. Okay. I, yeah, I don't want to put too much stock into that. I mean, like he, I think to to answer your question, I think that he could have taken the Khabib route and just stayed in that one division, planted himself in there, and just wiped it out because it's pretty much what he's already done. Um, I mean, not necessarily, you know, he doesn't have a handful of title defenses, but through his climb up to the title and even, you know, the couple title defenses that he does have, I feel like he has taken on the toughest guys in the division. He went through the Husu. Right. And yeah. now it's kind of like let the division play out and see who is going to be next. You know, will it be the winner of Till versus Vittori? Uh, Till versus Vittori? Will it be the winner <laughs> of. Of Whitaker and Costa, a lot of people think that Whitaker is the most uh, deserving, but we got to remember he did risk it and go up in weight. You know, obviously we saw that that, you, that there's a reason that that's the biggest jump in weight classes in the UFC. It clearly showed that night, and you know, on the contrary, I thought the fight was a little bit more competitive than most people thought. I thought that honestly, the fifth round was going to be what won the fight. Um, obviously, the two takedowns was, you know, the most control that any fighter had during the fight. So Jan clearly got the advantage there. And with the striking, Izzy never really was hurting Jan. Like the power didn't just, the power didn't transfer. So I do think that he is going to be a legend in his That's what I was asking. You think he is? Okay. Yeah, I do think that he will, he's going to be, I don't see anybody in that weight division, you know, beating him. And if they do beat him once, I don't see them beating him twice. Um, so, yeah, he's, he said that it was a one-off himself. He said that his coach persuaded him. Uh, he had to convince him into, you know, moving up. And same thing how you said the UFC. They just thought that it was an easy fight. You know, all of us wrote Jan Blokovic off yeah. on this podcast because we expected Izzy to be in and out. We expected him to, you know, pepper him into damage, not necessarily that one shot that was going to knock him out. Um, but Jan showed that, you know, there's levels to every division. I'm happy that he won. Um, he seemed very validated. I know I, right after the fight, he went up to the desk and he told DC, you know, am I a proven champion? Now I'm a proven champion, you know. Um, so I am happy for the guy. And I'm happy that he did win. And so Glover Teixeira does get his shot. Because had Izzy won, it would have just stalled that shit out. Uh, so I am happy with the way that the, that, that main event played out. So another question, this is another, you know, kind of hypothetical um, have to hit for like all the mainstream marks and stuff. Um, John Jones, you guys think you would have dispatched him even easier? Oh, yeah. I mean, when DC is admitting that, I think it's pretty, it's pretty unanimous that John Jones would have been way too fucking big for him. The only way that fight gets competitive is if you see a classic John Jones. And what I mean by classic John Jones is, he likes to go and fight the opponent and beat them at their skill. So if John Jones was going to go and he's going to fight, is he standing only? Yeah, that fight gets real competitive. But if he goes and he wrestles, is he? Jones is going to. Yeah, I think that he'd probably finish him. Because, I mean, even Jan ended the fight in a full mount. We got to remember. And, like, it, yeah. he, he, he dominated him late, man. He really dominated him late. Rounds, I think especially. Yeah, but let's move on, move on from round. that. 
to, to the female fight, I think that we can go through this one pretty quickly. Nunez, 145-pound title. You know, they put another body in front of her, and she got rid of her pretty quick. I thought that it was going to last over a round and a half. Figured it would take her a little bit of uh, time to get used to, you know, uh, Anderson's length. But Megan Anderson looked scared as hell the whole time in there. What do you all think? Um, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I don't think there's any better description or better use of the phrase of deer in the headlights than Megan Anderson versus Amanda Nunez. As soon as the bell rung, she didn't know what to do. She froze up, but she looked like Dan Hooker against um, uh, Chandler. Uh, just completely froze up out there. The first little one-two that Nunez gave and connected, that was that ended the whole fight right there. That first little connection that she had, she felt the Nunez power, and it's over. Uh, Nunez is a GOAT. Um, I mean, I don't know this really, like, proves anything you know like we said going into the fight she was a minus 1000 favorite so i don't think it told us much about her legacy but it's it also goes to say that you know she doesn't mess around as a champion and she said it afterwards in her post-fight um interview you know she has a kid now so if you thought that she was dangerous before she's even more dangerous now because she has something to protect or something even more to protect so uh, Amanda Nunez doesn't play any games. I will agree with uh, Juliana Pena, though. I, I think 135 is the division that needs to be defended and, and fought. And uh, whoever that is, I, I think that's where it needs to happen because that's where you can get the Shevchenko fight, and that's where maybe Juliana Pena comes into play. Um, but, yeah, uh, Nunez, go. Yeah, there's nothing to say about the fight. The only thing you can say about it is what could happen after. I've been clamoring for Julian Pena to get the fight for quite some time now. Around the years of UFC 200, Julian Pena was on a streak. She had just beat who had beat uh, Nunez, and I thought she should. Unfortunately, she did fall and have some pregnancy. She comes back. She goes two and two, but she does have uh, her last two wins that were pretty good. I think that's the only fight to make uh, now, especially after that promo, and she's the only one that's asking for Nunez at this point. No one asks for Nunez right now. Everybody's... I'll fight this. I'll fight that. No one's wanting that. 145, I think that division's got to go. It's it's wiped. I mean, who else is going to fight there at this point? That division was only good for the Cyborg Nunes fight. I don't care for that division anymore. Nunes is going to hold that belt at 145 for as long as she wants to. Yeah, I think if there's anything that it proved that night was that the 145 division's got to go. Um, Not much else there. I mean, there was like six fighters in that division. It's just a way to have Nunez walking around as a double champ and make her to more make her more marketable. Um, so yeah, go back down to 35 to whoop Juliana Pena's ass. Yeah, she put on a good promo, but we know what's gonna happen. Like she's gonna get her ass whooped. Um, and especially talking spicy like the way she yeah. was there. You know, I and do. I'm actually thinking Juliana Pena can wrestle her, so I'm not on that one. I, no, I just, I just, no, yeah, it's out of your mind. But I just, I agree with her that 135 is a division that needs to be defended or fought. So yeah, that's the only reason why I brought her up. Yeah. So then the last title fight uh, before we get out of here, Aljamain Sterling and Petre Jan. I guess the fight that we were most interested in um, when we were, you know, breaking it down last week, but. 
competitive fight out of the gate. We kind of saw the tides turning. Um, you know, in the championship rounds, uh, Peter Jan started landing a bit more. Yeah, he took over. Clip Sterling actually dropped him. But then, you know, probably the biggest bonehead move in title fight history, yeah, aside definitely. from fucking biggest. Victor Cruz's headbutt, but, I mean, that didn't even stop the fight, or Victor Ortiz's headbutt. But Peter Jan throws a knee to Aljamain Sterling's face while Aljamain Sterling is down on all fours. You know, After a, asking for permission. Clearly a grounded opponent. You know, the referee had just warned him, The you know, your opponent is down. They were kind of in that position for a couple of seconds, five, ten seconds maybe, and then he proceeded to throw the knee. The, the biggest strike of the fight, for sure that was the hardest strike of the fight, um, landed flush on Sterling's, I would say, eye, forehead area. Yeah, I mean, what did you all think when you saw that happen? Did you think immediately the fight was going to be over? Did you think? I mean, I, I we've talked about it a little bit, so I know you know some of y'all's afterthought. But initially, what did you all think when you saw it playing out? John goes out to me, Smith, all over again. I was just screaming, "That's an illegal hit! That's an illegal hit! That's an illegal hit! That's illegal! That's illegal!" That's all I was saying. That's illegal. That's illegal because. I bet on Sterling also, and I wanted the the, the disqualification as soon as I could get it. Um, I, I will say uh, two things bef before you know the the takedown occurred. Um, I was a little uh, confused by uh, Sterling's strategy. Again, I'm not a USC savant, but I thought it was his uh, usage rate or his output was a little crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. to start the fight and you obviously saw him tire out a little bit towards the end right, right. that and the combination of the shots that he was taking but sterling obviously in top-notch shape to even go out there and, and produce that amount of output and and to do that um so props to him but i did think it was a little crazy of a a strategy because i will say his game is getting into the ground. He did not have a lot of juice behind his takedowns. And I think a lot of that was because he was gassed from the strikes that he was throwing. Um, and that was going to lead me to my second point was I was impressed with Peter Jan's takedown defense. Uh, he shrugged Aljamain Sterling off like a little fly most of the time, like get off of me. Like, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, th that was uh, kind of what I wanted to point out in the fight that I saw, but um, Sterling, I think he made the right decision. Uh, no use in getting back up. You were losing those championship rounds. You're probably losing the fight in its totality. Um, and you were probably concussed or you're not in the proper state to go back out and restart the fight. Uh, so definitely made the right decision uh, by taking it off or by taking the victory. Um, I don't like his post-fight, the kind of the way that he's handled himself post-fight. I think it's been right. a, little, a little awkward. Uh, a little cringe, I, I might even say cringe from the standpoint of him going out and defending himself um, and going out and doing all these interviews. I've already seen like two or three that he's come out on. And he even brought up in one of the interviews that, uh, you know, him not getting another chance came into his mind, which I mean, wh which is I mean, it's fair. It's a fair point. But 
dude, don't bring that up. No one cares. Just say, hey, I got need illegally and, and I took it. That's it. That's all you I have mean, to say. Don't say more than that. It seems well, like he did it on purpose then because he's like, I had to think that and I decided that based I, on that if, decision. I mean, but if you think it seems like he did it on purpose, then you weren't watching the fight because, I mean, we all agreed it was the hardest shot of the no, no, yeah, because yeah. of what he said. But I'm saying, yeah, but there's no yeah, need to but, say I that. Mean, there's no need to come out and say exactly. that. Exactly. Don't say your thought process. The, but, the point happening. was... You, I, I like it. I like the thought process. I like somebody telling me what was going on in their mind in the fight because when Anthony Smith said, didn't I do, I when think. Anthony Smith didn't do exactly what Aljamain Sterling did, we were all calling him a fucking idiot for not fucking taking for not taking the way out, winning the championship, and doing all that. And what good came out of Anthony Smith continuing after? It was a logical thing. Um, like I, the whole acting thing, I'm not. I'm not on board with it. I don't think that Aljamain Sterling was acting afterwards either. I, like I said, I do think that that was the hardest shot landed in the fight. The fact that I don't think that even the referee. Um, I'm sure you all heard it. Um, I, I would hope that you all heard it, but he did say, you know, at first that it wasn't a legal strike, but he was saying it in a very low, you know, almost a whisper to kind of not let, not put it in Aljamain Sterling's head that if. You know, he couldn't continue. It was going to be a disqualification and not a no contest. And, you know, he would retain the title. So I, I do agree with Roland. I don't like a lot of the the after the aftermath. It almost seems like he should just go full heel roll with this, with, with the way that it's going. Because, you know, the trolling with, with Triple C in the hotel lobby after the fight, that was a clear troll. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, and, you know, the other stuff like – so. He had a lot of teammates there. He had family there. Is he not supposed to take pictures with them and the belt? I didn't understand a lot of it. I didn't understand a lot of it. But, you know, I saw him going at DC today. And, you know, DC, another guy who has won a title, you know, off of somebody being stripped. He was, really, he was really going at Ariel. Ariel was talking crap. About- I, but he told DC that he should shut up also. Like, yeah. He he was saying it to a, and and DC said, "Hey, young man, you know, relax. Like, just stay off the internet for a bit. You know, kind of what we always tell. Like, yo, somebody grab this guy's phone. You know what I mean? Like, DC was being the OG and kind of telling him, like, yo, pump the brakes, relax. There's no need to get aggressive and shit. Sterling, there's no need to go and do like five interviews right. afterwards or respond right. to every comment." And even the interview right after the fight, fucking Joe Rogan, I won't interview concussed fighters ever again. He and did. No, Sterling insisted. I, it was it the the whole situation was weird, man. Yeah, it, it was, I, and, and I'm what, Joe Rogan. The, the rule, the rule. So should should the belt change hands on a DQ or should it just vacate? I don't like uh, the rule of it changing hands, man. I really don't. I, I don't like it changing hands, but I I do think that. It should be like an automatic rematch. I don't think that the, like the fight should like the, that should have been Sterling's like rap right there, right? So, like so, uh, if, it, if, if the belt doesn't change hands, then I mean, would it be a no contest? Because if the guy wins, yeah, it should be like he- no contest, like automatic rematch or something uh, like that. Because uh, I don't think we've the fight- seen a no we've seen a no that. contest in a fight where Eddie Alvarez you know need a Dustin Poirier. Yes, yeah, I remember that. You know what I mean? Another one which wasn't intentional, but it did happen, and the referee, you know, Dustin Poirier was also c- couldn't go after that knee, and it ended up getting ruled a no contest. What do y'all think the difference was from that fight being ruled a no contest 
and this one being rolled a DQ. Did it have anything to do with the uh, adoption of the new no, rules? There's no, there's no belt on the line for the other fight. So it's just there's no contest at that point. I was thinking that it was because the referee had warned the fighter that he was down already. No, but I here's think another was, thing about that. Illegal shot. Yeah, no, here's I, another thing. For sure, I didn't illegal like shot's an illegal shot, but when they already tell you, like, yo, this is going to be an illegal shot, and you get the warning, it's like you get the warning before the foul. Instead of, you know, committing the foul, just getting warned and not the point deduction or the DQ, it him warning him and saying, yo, he is a downed opponent, and then proceeding to take the knee is the only difference in the two fights and why I could see them ruling one a DQ and one a no contest. Uh, ben, I believe that also was the referee's first uh, title fight that he's ever refed as well. This I past weekend, you're saying? Yeah, I didn't like the way he handled it either, bro. He was I over here he whispering. Well. No, he I didn't. He, he was it. over here whispering to the doctor. Well, yeah. Letting, letting um, because Justin figure things out. But no, at this he, point, it, once it, that strike landed the way it did, that's a wrap for the fight. It yeah. was very obvious this dude is not ready to come back into the ring and fight again. But then what, it has so, to be a wrap. Why not? The difference, he, didn't posture, he, didn't, he took his time doing it. The I didn't like the refs doing that. You have five minutes, bro. With a, it's an eye poke, an illegal blow, or a low blow. Bro, five once minutes. he got up and he was wobbling, that's a wrap, bro. The, he just took the, a headshot that was illegal that was worn prior. But but like, like why? I do don't like the fact that he was stalling the, and putting himself down there either because fighters do that. But regardless, it was an illegal Ooh, shot. The, the difference. Al was stalling. I mean, you fighters have five look, minutes, bro. You have no. no. I, in the, during the fight, when he went on his knees. That's considered stalling. Fighters will do that time from time when they're gassed. In this case, everyone knew that's what he was doing. That's why he got on his knee for that. EJ called it out afterwards right well, he away. Was hugging. He was hugging. He was trying yeah. to get him down to the ground for sure. It's just stalling. Um, but the, but the that's why some people say the rule set should be changed where knee strikes like that are legal. Nah, nah, nah. Knee strikes like that shouldn't be legal. I don't agree well, with a that. A lot of MMA but, fighters want uh, it for wanting to go legal. The, the difference between no contest and, and DQ is intent. If it's intentional, like you guys said, the ref called it out, said he's on the ground, he's on the ground. He still need him. It's clear at that point. That's intent. So DQ's on the line. I so think you the, think that was the only I, difference? Like I, had Eddie yes, Alvarez I think the difference warned? with Eddie Alvarez was it wasn't they were he wasn't warned. They, I think they were in the middle of an exchange, if I'm not heat mistaken. Of the moment. It was heat of the moment. This was more of a was kind of, So, yeah, I, Roland yeah. said no contest is when it, when the they fight were, ends for reasons outside the fighter's hands. Yeah. DQ is and, when it's because they, of the fighter. They, they were in the heat of the moment. I think Eddie and Alvarez had just knocked Poirier down because that fight was crazy, if I can remember correctly. It was, and, it was a hell of a barn burner and, up to and, that point. And Poirier, I think, was in the middle of getting back up. And... uh Alvarez took him out, and I, I don't think that was intentional, but that was a clean shot, too. I remember when that knee happened, I was like, holy crap. Uh, yeah, and the one thing that I'll say I didn't like and don't really agree with is how much attention was put into Sterling's whole stuff after and maybe him acting. You know, not saying that anybody here is saying that, but that was one of the more popular opinions, and not enough stock was put into why the fuck Peter Yan threw the knee. I think, it, like yeah. you said, the way that you introduced the, the topic, Ben, it is one of the bigger bonehead moves in UFC title fight history, Be especially because Peter Yan was winning that fight. 
And and the scorecards were two two judges had the fight for Jan. One judge did have the fight for Sterling. I like how Joe I like how Joe Rogan pointed that out. He was dealing with a concussed fighter, a guy who just had his head need to next Sunday or last Sunday, and Joe Rogan was like, Aljamain Sterling, just want to get your thoughts on this. You were you know getting dominated and losing this fight, you know everything, blah blah blah. You had no chance against Peter Jan. He was outclassing you. But you ended up winning by DQ. How do you feel about that? I just like how he threw all of that in before. I, feel, I just feel bad him. for Sterling, the fact that he has to defend himself. I feel like he shouldn't. Just, hey, you got need into oblivion, bro. That's his fault. That's not yours. Don't go out defending yourself. You don't need to. And, and, that, that, and that's that why I him for reading the comments, though. You, you got to put that on him. Like, you just don't respond. Yeah, it's on him for that. Yeah. It's a little cringy, uh, some of the stuff. It is. It oh, is. That's because I know, Roland, you like him. I like the kid. But yeah, I like him. He's he's gone a route that is a little cringy, uh, you know, taking shots with the belt. and. Hey, man, the, the belt changes people, bro. The belt changes people. It's a bigger paycheck either at the end of the day, you know. I'll mean, you six figures. And again, like he, he even said, like, this is his only chance. Like, you know, if, if the fight ended up going the route that it went, it would have taken him – five victories to get back to being right. in contention or something. Right. So he knows that he's not Dana's best friend or that Dana doesn't love him because he doesn't move the needle. Like Sterling does have a contingency of fans, but he's not a big pay-per-view guy. Right. Like he's he, not yeah, well, that whole division draw. outside the top guys really. It's, it's yeah. And see, I cringed where he was like, he was trying to, like Justin said, he's, you know, defending himself, trying to justify, and he's like, oh, well, you know, technically uh, me and Corey Sandhagen were supposed to fight for the bell or like that was supposed to be a title fight. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm technically like the champion regardless. But um, no, I, f- I feel bad for him. Like you guys are saying that, you know, um, he has to go kind of through this. And, I I, I do think that if he could have kept up the style that he was fighting with in the first two rounds, um, I I do think that he he does have a path to victory still in the rematch. I won't say that he does it. I will say what I believe is his first title fight. I think that he went, he blew himself way out. Yeah, Yeah. he went way to him. Like the adrenaline dump was rowdy. (laughs) Dude, it was crazy. But but that's something that you only get in your first title fight. Like at least the rematch, you already have been in there. He got to feel Peter Jan. He, you know, he did get takedown stuff. He felt what the guys like. I would still take Sterling in a rematch, and I will take Sterling in the rematch whenever it does happen. I do see an automatic rematch happening. It has yeah. to be, yeah, yeah. And Peter Jan, I will say, his power is for real, man. I don't know yeah. if some of that was because uh, Sterling was a little gassed or his, whatever. But his shell defense was really, really good, bro. Even with hard. MMA gloves, he did a good shot of not really letting shots sneak through because for a lot of the time, he was in his shell, and Aljamain was unloading, gassing yeah. himself out, yeah. gassing himself out, and not just hitting anything you know, drastic to change the fight. So very excited to see how, how the next one plays out, man. Um, but that pretty much wraps up, you know, our coverage for I that. Do, I do have some announcement, though, some news here for MMA. What's that? And that is in the same division. Triple C's back. Yeah. And I, now Sterling even said that might be the next fight. I don't know. If that's, news. Uh, he, he, that's fake news is what that he, is. He wasted too much time. I thought Cejudo was on a good trajectory, uh, but he wasted too much time. I think that a lot of other guys have come out and shown that they're they're pretty capable. 
So um, who that's doing that whole retirement shit backwards? Like yeah. when you retire, guys are supposed to call you out to come back to fight. And this fool, like somebody will win a fight and he goes and throws his <laughs> he's, he's always done things backwards. He's hilarious. But the next pay-per-view should be pretty exciting. I do want to talk about that real quick. Uh it's 260, right? Is that a yes, 260 is and Naganu. That's gonna be yeah, a couple he's weeks a away. He's a betting favorite right now. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, Roland. I really quickly I did just want to touch up on this weekend's main event. Um, because it's kind of been a whirlwind. They've had a replacement guy step in. But Leon Edwards, after a whole oh, year right. of, of inactivity, is getting back in the octagon. Remember the name. Wow. Uh, as a favorite against, remember the name, Bilal Muhammad, stepping up on short notice. I don't know the exact odds for this, but I expect Edwards to be the favorite. He's a little uh, more than 2-1. to one. He's like minus 250. Okay. So, I mean, I see heavy, heavy takedown game for Edwards in this fight. I think that that's the game plan, especially with him not having fought for a while. The five-round fight does make it interesting just because those guys who go for those takedowns relentlessly, you know, they can gas in the later rounds. And Bilal Muhammad has been a guy who has come on uh, stronger. So this is his first main event. I'm excited for Bilal Muhammad, but it's honestly not the best um, matchup for him. Dana White has already said that if Edwards wins impressively, you know, he will be next for Kamara Usman. So that is a little bit more of a motivating back factor for Bilal Muhammad. Hey, bro, beat this guy. And, you know, if he was supposed to get the fight, you kind of have an argument to put your name on, you know, yeah. uh, in that slot. So how do you all see it playing now? Do you all give Bilal Muhammad much of a chance? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he I give him Edwards' time off from the fighting game. I give him a chance, but I, I think Edwards is, is too focused right now. I think he's been, even though he's been away from the fight game, he has been training for a fight for like, I mean, he's been supposed to have fought for like the past. When was his original fight supposed to happen against? A couple uh, months ago with Shimano. A couple months ago. So, yeah, he's been in fighting shape. I think he's been waiting to get back in the octagon. He he wants a title shot. I'm glad you brought that up about what Dana said. Almost two uh, years though, Yeah, but I, I think he's going to come out. He's not an old guy. I don't think Edwards is old or anything. I think. He's going to come out and be ready, and he's going to show why he's a, a top welterweight. But that just makes me, think of, makes me think about um, Masvidal, like another guy. I think he fumbled his opportunity uh, kind of being at the top, or at oh. least uh, seemingly has fumbled it. So see what happens there. But I'm excited for Edwards and, and Muhammad. Um, another is, – is it this card, or is it maybe another card coming up? Isn't Woodley and Luke fighting soon? I believe it, that's on the Stipe card. Oh, the Stipe card. Okay. Okay. It's not on this one. But yeah, it's yeah. on the Stipe card along with Brian Ortega and Volkanowski for the championship. Yeah. There you go. I saw Luke is a pretty steep favorite. He's like yeah. almost two. And one. another thing that I'll say about Edwards, I mean, I know he's a little bit over two to one, but he fights very smart, high IQ fighter, does what it takes to win. I mean, I'll compare him to Curtis Blades as far as sticking to the game plan and getting the win, not being all flashy and showboaty. So, I mean, he is a guy that you can trust with your coin. Even at a little bit of over two to one odds, I do like him to win this fight pretty easily, to be honest. But, yeah, man, that pretty much wraps it up. That wraps up, what, episode 36 for us? We're going yeah. to get that college basketball bracket thing. Uh, we'll be sharing it on Twitter. We'll be sharing it on Facebook. We'll get it out by, by this Sunday after Selection Sunday when the brackets come out. The Sunday night. Yeah, the actual tournament starts next Thursday, so we'll have a couple of days to fill it out. 
And if we get uh, enough people, maybe we'll do that $20 Amazon gift card that we've been doing for some of our competitions. Um, but that's if we, if we fill it up. All right. Y'all got anything else? No, just yeah. you know, ready for Selection Sunday. I think we're going to have a good uh, college basketball tournament. I'm glad we got one after we were deprived last year. So happy, man. Yeah, just uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow us for some picks. Uh, we'll be giving out some picks so pretty much every day from now until you know the the championship game. I'm planning on so uh, hopefully we'll we'll get some winners. Yeah, and hopefully a little something special. Hopefully we can pull it off. Uh, we might have a little bit of extra content for y'all uh, over the weekend. So you know, keep keep an eye out for that. But yeah, man, that wraps up. Episode 36. We out or what, boys? I'm out. Yeah, you guys can keep on going. I'm leaving. <laughs> Laters. I'm supposed to be a franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Yes. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Slap that place you scored 30. We talking about sports. I mean, what are we even talking about, man? We talking about sports here.